Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you're listening to this. This is Machu Media alongside my critic and fan in crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. The one and only Tracy Hutchins. Hello, humans. <laughs> I see what you did there. And the unquestionable news himself, Ashton Menzies. Salutations, peoples, what's up? Yes, yes, yes. And this is our third annual Super Bowl Sunday special. And it's so ah, at the time of us recording this. Uh, it is the weekend before the Super Bowl, but you know the reason why we're recording so early is because next Sunday will be Carnival Sunday, and no hell no will I be coming up into town you know, to be recording anything in the studio here. No thank you, I'm good, right? I'm just gonna rock back and wait for the March Grand, see if um, if if Marshall gonna walk away <laughs> as the winner. I I don't know, I don't know, right? But but he also will be doing Masters or something like that. I, why why going doing stuff this year? I, as people, somebody said that's part of his SBA to come on to come on stage and um. Wait what? Wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> oh wow! No, no, come on, man! I mean, yeah. Come on! Oh, you! I Your file assignment is to put out one song and get your get get yourself into into, into Calypso one. So, no nah, man. All intents and purposes, I mean, the boy grew up, boy, boy grew up in this, but it's just so weird and random seeing him in the middle of this when he's supposed to be, I don't know, studying and that kind of thing. But it's just... and, and I'm bringing this up too because I actually heard the song. I heard the song on radio, right? Um, I forgot the mm-hmm. title of it. And it's, it's actually... Soul of Calypso, Calypso, is it? Uh, um, I think so, yeah. yeah. No, like it's it's pretty it's it's basically Marshall doing a calypso, but how you frame it is like you know he you know is soca, so you know he was born out of calypso, so it's like calypso is soca and calypso is you know soca is calypso and calypso is soca, and so he kind of doing that. So I like it, I like it, I like the you know the fact that you know he is he is I think turning fifty or probably fifty by now. So so I get I get the framing of I, I like where you get that with it, but just let you know if you haven't heard it, it's basically Marshall doing a calypso, right? That's <laughs> And I don't mean that, that this, that, that's how it sounds like to me. It really sounds like that. Gene. All right, but anyway, moving on, right? But, you know, on the subject of music now, I find it so funny that we're actually recording this today because in about four or five hours will be the Grammys, uh, which I will not be watching right. live, but I will be watching recaps of because I'll be watching I, I, I like to see performances. I like to see who and what. I like to see who gained big up and things like, oh, you know, my album and this song and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, you know what I mean? I, I, I kind of look and I, I tune into that stuff, right? Uh, but on the subject of music, we will be talking about the documentary, The Greatest Night in Pop. Mm. So we see the behind the scenes of the making of what is possibly one of the greatest songs ever made called We Are The World, right? Well, uh, we well I know about that, but you know, it's one of those songs hey. that just, one of those songs that hey. production-wise, because of all the names behind it, 
It's thing. Uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, we, we'll get into that, right? Um, also, sticking with music, we'll talk about um, Has Been Hotel, which is, uh, well, a new animated uh, comedy series, but it also has elements of uh, music in it, right? So there's um, there's some songs, like every episode have a song in it as well. So I'll talk about the music in, in that in that show as well, right? Uh, we will talk about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which, you know, features mm-hmm. a musician by the name of Donald Glover. He's the only Donald that mm-hmm. matters right now in 2024, leaving it at that thank you you know he yeah you have a new show you know which is based off of the you know the 2005 i think it was yeah um yeah 2005 movie of the same name you know so we'll talk about that um ricardo you will talk about orion and the dark this is a new animated fantasy film um coming out on netflix i wanted to see it you know because it was written by you know the og screenwriter himself charlie kaufman so i was curious Mm -hmm. What he's going to bring to the table. Like, I know when it comes to him, he always comes with these unique, really weird, strange worlds, right? But you know, it always has a lot of emotion and heart to it, right? So it's kind of curious how that dark style, I, I usually find his work to be pretty dark, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, how that was going to translate into what looks like a family friendly animated film. So, yeah, right. you, you, you'll talk about that, right? Also, Ricardo, you will talk about Argyle. Um, this is a right. new uh, spy action comedy. <laughs> Before, you know, you know Ar- Argyle, fuck yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't get around to seeing it, unfortunately. Uh, or I should say fortunately, because I've been hearing nothing but um, iffy things about it. So I was like... Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, you, you'll talk about that, right? And we will close things off, you know, because it is the Super Bowl Sunday special after all. We will celebrate 10 years of everything being awesome with mm-hmm. Lego Movie. Yes, folks, we will be doing a retrospect review of the Lego Movie, right, which came out in 2014, you know, um, uh, which was, you know, written and directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. And, you know, we'll also talk right. about, you know, their, their style of writing and how it worked, you know, in this movie here, right? So we'll close things off with that. But before we begin, man, um, you know, it's unfortunate we didn't get a chance to, to, to talk about any new trailers. You know, if, if, if we were able to do this on, you know, the actual day of Super Bowl Sunday, then yeah, we would have, right? So I didn't even know what we're going to get, you know, next week at the time of us recording this. Maybe we might get, um, I, I suspect that we might get a Beetlejuice trailer because... Yeah, I think Beetlejuice is coming out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, um, put, uh, was released, you know, a few days ago. So maybe we might get that, right? But yeah, man. Hoping um, for Deadpool as well. Oh yeah, right. Um, um, right. Deadpool three, um, definitely as well. To something to look forward to, right? But yeah, you know, Yo, I'm, you know what? Uh, I'm concerned about all these musicals that are coming out. They're very yuck. Like, like, like what? For example, like I heard Mean Girls is supposed to be a musical too. It is. Yeah, it's a musical. Well, it's based on based on the musical. Yeah, they remade it. Wonka was a musical. Ah, kinda, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah. should mention too, you know, with, with Mean Girls, um, you know, that will be released digitally um, before Valentine's Day, right? So, you know, right um, on the weekend of, that will be, um, yeah, well, right after Carnival, um, that is, yeah, I will check out uh, Mean Girls and, you know, for sure I will do a review of that, right? Uh, but yeah, you know, before we get into all that kind of stuff though, um, we have to do this RIP shout out, shout out here to Carl Weathers, man. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan that sort of a bitch, huh? 
Yeah, boy, you know me, the OG yeah. himself, right? So, yeah, you know, um, Tracy actually put me onto this news here, you know, while I was watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, weirdly enough, right? But, yeah, I did not expect that, that Carl Weathers, of all people, would have passed away, right, you know, at age 76. Um, he will be known, he will forever be known as Apollo Creed. He was in the first, you know, um, four Rocky films. You know, in the first two, he was the antagonist, and then in the third one, he's like, hey, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm friends with with, uh, with, with Rocky now, you know? Right. Because we have yeah. to take down Mr. T, right? We have to take down Clubber. Yeah, and mon- montages are running on the beach, right? Of course, of course. Set to I have the yeah. which which we love, right? You know, I, I have a right. feeling that a lot of people went on YouTube just to watch that clip again, though, because it's so timeless, right? And then, well, you know, part four, you know, he, 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 uh, well, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wash out. To get washed out, you know, thanks yeah. enough, Lundgren of all people, but like, <laughs> yeah. right? But yeah, it, it, it made for a great moment, right? And yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the, the Rocky <laughs> franchise goes, yeah, he is an iconic uh, figure, right? So iconic that even in Creed, right? The, the, yeah. The, the, tree, um, the tree Creed. <laughs> they spin it off yeah. of his son. <laughs> yeah, you know, we the illegitimate yeah. son of, of, um, of, of Apollo, right? So look at that, right? Right. Um, but as you say, Dylan, yeah, you know, another uh, performance that he'll be remembered for is Predator, man. You know, um, yeah. iconic, badass, one of the greatest action films, one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time, you know, coming up from um, 1987. Dude, that, that, um, that, that, that's how to say why that, not a fist bump, but just that hand clasp. Yeah, yeah. Carl and and yeah. Carl Schwarzenegger do is so timeless. Yeah. I know there's yeah. the flex. He must like. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. That is it's so cheesy. It's so eighties, but it's, it's it's pure on unfiltered eighties. So like like you cannot you, you can't watch that scene and be like yeah you you, you know it is a scene that you absolutely love right. Um, yeah. There was also Action Jackson in 1988. Yeah. Right. I swear I saw, but I don't remember a single thing about. Eighty six. That 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 on TV six that um, when TV six sorry sorry guys when when TV six first came out uh-huh. and I didn't see it like in nineteen eighty or whatever but when TV six first came out uh, which is one of the local channels for those who are listening overseas they had on like a, you know they used to show like all the Steven Seagal movies and all those other yeah types. Um, they used to do that on, did, on, on Saturday and Sunday nights they, yeah. they, yes and they did Action Jackson and that stays in my brain not the whole movie. But specifically the covert up yeah. a flight of stairs. Because yeah, what right. we asked. Um, and I so these are things that are kind of burned into my brain and I just like loved him for that. Because he was kind of like a black bond, but you know, right. he had he had like street cred and he was but it wasn't Dirty Harry, but it was his own thing. And that was that, that was that was the Carl Weathers for me. As much right. as I love, you know, Apollo. Yeah, yeah, I uh, my for me his most memorable role is is a parody of himself in Arrested Development. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, that's a classic movie. Uh, you know, you know, baby, baby, we got us too good. Uh, <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and you know, he, he speaking of comedy, he he also make an appearance in Happy Gilmore. Um, and he actually show his comedic chops in that one, right? But yeah, for sure, I yeah. definitely need to re- rewatch Action Jackson because I swear, like I saw it, but I didn't. But I can't remember, right? And then of course, last but not least, um, Creef. Um, Cargill's right in, in the Mandalorian, right? Um, you know, like we saw him last year in season three, right? Like we saw him in there. Like, 
though mine wasn't he, he didn't he was near much right um which you know I, I don't think it had to do with any health reasons but i think it's just because of the character and his role in that season right but yeah boy it's a shame that we saw him last year in the mandalorian and now well um i don't know if they shot anything for season four or whatever but yeah you know this you know when we see him again you know just like ray stevenson with um ahsoka it might be the last time that we will we'll see him in the star wars universe so i guess that's something to look forward to right but yeah man um he went out at 876 though um I'm, I'm not sure exactly what what the cause of his death was i i, I don't want to say his old age though but i feel like it's some other health ailment that he had or something yeah you were supposed to if I remember correctly, he's supposed to show up in Boston for something comic related or Star Wars related, I think. And then he, he had a, a um what do you call it, an Instagram saying he couldn't make it. And yeah, that was like his last kind of message, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I didn't know that. Wow. He used to be on, on, on Twitter just like responding to fans and he always right. signed off all messages with like, be peace and that kind of stuff. But then he just went silent for a little while and I, I didn't really take it on. But yeah. Then you see stuff like this, and it kind of retroactively makes you wonder, well, yeah. Right. I, I understand, I understand, yeah. So, you know, not much more I could say, man. I mean, Carl Weathers really, really left his his impact in pop culture, man. You know, like, like again, that, that shot in Predator is timeless, right? And, you know, yeah. like Action Jackson and, of course, <laughs> Apollo Creed and all these characters that he played over the years, man, you know. But, again, you know, we saw him last in, in, in The Mandalorian Dread. So that, that, that really hit me. But yeah, exactly. We're not yeah. going to see this man again, Dread. And he was just, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was just, he was, he was a great character, though, in, in that show. You know what I mean? Truth be told. But yeah, not much more I could say, man. Carl Weathers, rest in peace, man. You know your legacy. Yeah, they no, say, they say, 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 say he passed away peacefully in his sleep. Uh, sorry, what's that? What's that? They say he passed away peacefully in his sleep. Okay. Okay, okay. Well, on Thursday. Yeah, on Feb 1st, uh-huh. yeah. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, as a feel, you know, the afterlife, the afterlife going to get a good stew going, right? Yeah, that's it, too. Eh? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well Ricardo, you, you have anything to say on, you know, just his his um, his um legacy, you know, as far as... Yeah, 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 really, really solid career, um, all throat. Um, You know, you like him in just almost everything he, he does. You know, very few things that you can't... You can, I can't remember anything that I hate him for, anything like that. And yeah, he was getting a kind of like a short little second win in his career with the, with the Disney Star Wars stuff, right? And yeah, for the most part, it was solid stuff, uh, at least, you know, as as far as that stuff goes, uh, yeah, as I say, you know, I make, well, I just make the joke already. You know, it's just you know, you know, you know it's still have meat on that bone. You know, put it in a pot with a with a with a potato and gas to going right. Uh, yeah, I, he he really really solid actor, solid comedy chops. You know, solid action chops. And yeah, he's just a, a a great workable character actor that that you know will be missed uh, as I say. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ashen, you have anything to say or you you good? Yo, to me, it's another NFL player who became an actor and succeeded. That's that's what I have to say about him. You know what I mean? He was part of the Oakland Raiders prior, uh, before he started acting. Then he became an actor, and um, he was a top-tier supporting actor, in my opinion. In, in the shows he was in, in the movies he was in really good supporting character all the time i find in my opinion even in the happy gilmore movie which i love them in actually so yeah r.i.p 
Yeah, and it's a good thing that to bring up his um, NFL pass. So, so I do hope that you know at some point in time during Super Bowl they they do um, right. respect him, right. even if it's not the Oakland Raiders, but you know some some other team or yeah, just just the NFL in general had to see something. You know, you know, just do a RIP or something like that, right? Um, and then lastly, before we move on, uh, Tracy, I don't know if you have anything else to say about um, his you know legacy in film. The, the only thing I will add is uh, a post from Ahmed. Um, Ahmed was talking about when he was coming back to Star Wars. You know, that scene where he turns out to be the Jedi that saves Grogu. Spoilers for all those who of you who haven't. Right, yeah, yeah. But, right. you know, um, you know, Carl was directing that episode. And he said, you know, Ahmed was talking about he could see how nervous... He was about coming back into the Star Wars fold and what that would mean. And he kept talking about how much mentorship and how nice and just generally how much of like a warm hug. I'm using, you know, paraphrasing it here, but how much of a warm hug Carl was to him. And I go back to things like, you know, him being on Twitter and like every response, whether you agreed with him or you didn't agree with him, he always ended it off with be peace. And I think, um, you know, stuff like that outside of, you know, the big screen, is things that I think I will remember him by. That and, of course, driving a COVID up, you know, yeah. a flight of stairs. <laughs> it's like two flights of stairs to get to the bad man in the room who has a girl sitting on a bed. It's, you know, it's that kind of madness. But I love it. I love it. So, you know, rest in power. Rest in peace. Yeah, man. Indeed, indeed. All right. So uh, let's talk about The Greatest Night in Pop, right? Um, this is a yes. Netflix-released documentary. Um, you know, I, I, I saw the trailer, um, you know, a while back, and I was I was generally excited by this, right? Um, because if you don't mind, I'll just do the synopsis for this, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty much about the behind the scenes of how, you know, the the, the, the timeless song, and I'm not even going to say iconic because it is, we all know that. But yeah, timeless song, We Are The Will, how that came to be, right? Um, you know, and, and in this case, you know, it, it pretty much centers on, well, I should say the, um, the three individuals who really kickstart this whole thing were Lionel Richie, who is pretty much front and center in this film. Um, it was cool seeing him, though, you know, more or less uh, right. tell this whole story, right? And, you know, he, he actually remembers a lot. Anyway, you know, there was actually like a few guests, uh, a, new, a few interviewees who were there on that night. And yeah, they admit that they don't remember much from about what happened. And, you know, you can't. Yeah, remember, you level, know, like, level drugs they do it. <laughs> yeah, well, that the fact that it was January 1985, you know, what I mean, they they had to remember yeah. all that stuff from you know with for the you know decades long career and whatnot, right? So they had to remember all that stuff, whatever. Um, so it's him, um, Quincy Jones, who we kind of just hear, um, you know, I don't want to say voice notes, but just bits and pieces of interviews that he did over the years, you know, um, just talking about that one night. And yeah, uh, Michael Jackson himself, you know, the OG himself, the king of pop, right? You know, so um, if you will, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, the story is just pretty much how this 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 um, this song came to be, right? And I'll I'll confess, right? Just just going into this, right? So. Um, I, I always heard this song when I was growing up, right? You know, it's one right. song that they just heard on 100 FM or 97.1, right? You know, you just always heard this song. And, like, even when you're growing up, you just knew that there was something special about it. I guess it's because of the music and how um touching it is, right? It's very gentle, very emotional, very moving, right? And then, you know, just hearing all these voices where, and then, of course, you know, just the, the the chorus and how simple it is, you know, we are the will, we are the people. Like, it hits you. It really hits you, right? And 
it's only like later on when you like for me like when you actually get the chance to see the music video and you do a little digging up that you understand oh this is what it's for right and you know it was because of you know um yeah just just poverty that was going on in ethiopia i believe it was right and yeah. you know just just a bunch of artists just coming and saying well they were pretty much inspired by um boomtown rats own uh, bob geldof yeah it's like yeah you know what let's let's try to raise awareness and raise money and help these 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 poor people right and that's what the song is about right so it's one of those things like for me i just sort of found out after the fact but i just always used to just hear the song on radio and just be like oh that's a nice song and all right that's nice that's nice right um i swear for the life of me that you know we in trinidad actually did a version of this i was trying to remember what it was but i don't think we did you know but i feel like at some point in time there was an instance where wasn't the um like the flowers bloom again variation or are you talking about like a trinity version of we are the world a Trinity version of We Are The World. Like, like I feel like there was, ah, there was yeah. some point in time where a bunch of Calypsonians came together and just do a song together. But, like, I, I don't think they did. But, um, uh, it, I, again, it just feels like it's something that, that did happen. But maybe I didn't. I don't know, right? Um, and I will just, well, just close with this before I get into my thoughts, right? And, you know, this whole grab a bunch of artists together and put them on one song has continued on over the years like you know one big yeah. example that comes to mind you know just as a hip-hop head right you know and you know agree to disagree this is still one of the greatest remixes of all time um the game's one blood trail like that remix though i think it right. like 11 right. minutes is one of the hardest songs i've ever heard in my life and it's just a bunch of rappers just coming in just spitting their asses off and going right that's what it is but again it's just the idea even though that wasn't for charity that was just for the album but it's just the idea of taking a whole bunch of artists and putting them into one song you know what i mean that i think it really did start with this song here right and yeah it's become a part of you know uh music tradition if you will right so about this show itself um i i really enjoyed it man for, for what it was right but in no way will i say that this show kind of reinvents the wheel though it's exactly what right. i expect it to be it's uh it's a music you know it's a, it's a music doc right so you know it, it would help if you know if or at least familiar with 80s music or whatnot right so for me even though i haven't listened to a lot of like cindy lopper or bruce springsteen i really should though like after watching it's like should i really should listen to Bruce Springsteen's like work though like you know like I was here born in the USC and streets of Philadelphia and all that kind of stuff but like I, I should really like listen to that album though I feel like I would love it right but yeah you know when I was growing up that was that was the songs that I heard right so I, I familiar with a majority of artists who were there right and it was cool being reminded of who was there in the first place right you know whether it was um, Cindy Lauper or whether it was like I say Bruce Springsteen who yeah you know well I, I guess you know Tracy you could um, bring it up to yeah he had probably one of the greatest moments of the song with that we are the world we are the children oh, yes. how, he, how he does that <laughs> way i want to see it on screen like, him and i was like the scene still that yeah. still hot and real hot real hot <laughs> yeah. right um al Giroux, i i forgot I, I forgot that he was in it um dion Roll, yeah Lee nelson I'll, i was like james and yeah, coming this and i do you remember? Oh my God, James Ingram was in this. Yes, yeah. James Ingram too. Um, Dan Aykroyd apparently was he was doing the chorus. Um, I didn't know. Listen, it had people. It had, it had a set of people who had no business being there. But it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was cool hearing that. You know, but what what blew my mind right was. And I didn't notice that this was right after the American Music Awards, right? Which right. 
in hosted it. He hosted that shit trend. And while it was going on commercial breaks, I should mention too, the man performed twice and he won awards in that night tour. So when they were going on breaks, he would go backstage and talk to people and be like, yo, we're doing this thing at this, at well, it was AM Studios, right? It's like, yo, come through after the show. And he just got a whole bunch of people to come through, right? But to be fair, there were other people who knew about it prior as well to it. Like he gave them the demos that he and uh, Michael was working on. Uh, Quincy loved everything about it. And, you know, he was, he pretty much produced the whole thing, right? But, you know, it was Lionel and and and, and Mike who really put everything together, right? Um, the story about Stevie Wonder was funny where they was reaching out to yeah. him. I was like, well, I, you know, he didn't he didn't say that. And then like on the day of, it's like, no, sorry, when, when the demo was being shipped around, you know, um, you know, he finally found out about it. He's like, yo, why, why did he didn't call him? I was like, dude, he was trying to call you all the same. What happened, right? That was really funny, right? Um, but yeah, it was it was just amazing knowing that this happened on the night of, right, of, of that award ceremony. So right after that, they, they headed straight down to A&M and they spent the whole night up until 7 a.m. recording this, right? And seeing the process of it works as well too. Um, just the mere, just the, the decision in terms of how they how they pretty much put every artist like who comes first and whatnot that blew my mind because I would not thought about I would not really thought about that I thought it's just oh you you come in you sing that you sing that right but no they you know well the people behind the scenes right or it's in particular the engineer really sat down and said oh I want this person to come in first because this person has a could hit a high octave here this person has a, right. a, a booming voice here you know what I mean so I want this guy I mean to come first. I I love that I, right I always right. felt. I was felt the song could have been planned much better um, as it was, but it could, in some ways, it feel like a rush job. Other times, not really. Uh-huh. But yeah, it, uh, given given the circumstances, it was a lot better planned than it was. But right? but it, the thing is, I just think this was too much of a puffy in the sense of oh, well, look how nice and, and everything come together in itself. But it was like yeah, Michael was just not having a lot of that bullshit to do. Like he's like yeah, let's like real fuck it around do. Cause like yeah, Michael's a big disciplinarian, does. So that's how yeah. I understand it. Um, the history, so it missed a lot in this documentary. That was also underwhelmed with this as it was. Oh, okay, um, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish that you know. Let's just, just think about it now. Even though I didn't know that that aspect of the of the um, recording, yeah, you know, they could have really gone a little deeper in terms of, you know, just how crazy it was though, because you know it's not as easy as the show kind of portrays it as. You know, like yeah, the show exactly. Kind of frames it as you know everybody on top of the game, and you know they could just do this in their sleep. But the thing is. They came right after uh, 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 um, award show, so men was tired. Like men was real tired, right? And some people kind of like dropped the ball uh, to record it. Like what they say about yeah, they were terrible. Ball? Like what they say about Cindy yeah. Ball? Like when I when I see that, I was like, wow, boy. You would, yeah, you would think about it, but it's like Cindy, like come on, come on, hun. Come on. Oh, yeah, so Cindy, yeah. Cindy absolutely didn't didn't belong there. It was like <laughs> oh, a little ridiculous. Okay, but now, that whole but, thing with the bangles and stuff was was classic for me. I yeah, thought that was deeply good. And you would think about it. Oh, wow. I, I think, oh, like, yeah, but I think like voice wise, she she crushed it though. Like she, how how commanding her voice was, right? But yeah, you know, right. like like in in retrospect, I felt I felt like we could have gotten more of the. Not so much the drama, but just like how problematic right. it would have been to do it, right? Just kind of letting people yeah. know, no, this this seriously. Even though we kind of planned things out, you know, things did happen and we could have kind of done things a little better, right? You, to be fair, you know, they kind of hinted at it. They kind of showed that time was being wasted. Guy, they watching like, wow, it's like yeah. five o'clock and your men still like 
about shit like move on yeah. you know what I mean but 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 for what's worth though they did manage to pull it off though um, and you really had to praise the engineers and especially Quincy Jones for this how many patience put all this together right you could tell how great of a conductor and arranger he is so just to coordinate all this right and then also Lionel for kind of keeping people you know kind of helping to make sure everything was in check I like that there's, there's a moment where like um, above the, the door to the, to the studio they say leave your ego at the door I love that, right? Because remember, there's a bunch of artists who know they the shit and it came right after a, a, a music, you know, award show. So yeah, that's like, exactly. oh, yeah, yeah, cool. I could just half-ass this and bust out, right? But like, no, no, no. Y'all staying for the whole night to understand this, right? And yeah, you know, just 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 um, to wrap things up though. So I would say that if you are um, a music junkie or at least you're just really fast, you need to, in, in, like like in my case, I just love to 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 know about the, the ins and outs, like how people kind of come together to make a song, to compose a song forever, right? Yeah, this will be right up your alley, right? Um, if you just don't care about 80s music or 80s pop, this show will do nothing for you though. But to be fair, I mean, this is still a really extraordinary story. Just, just the mere fact that they did it, right? They, they actually pull it off too. And yeah, you understand why they only had one night to do it. Um, I don't think that anybody left with, a set, you know, with any resentment towards anybody. So that's cool. Um, right. You know, even though one man leave, but I'm not going to say who one man did leave, right? But, you know, he, he was just fed up. He was like, you know what? I good, right? And I, I gone, you know? Yeah, right after this saw Healy, they saw Healy bit though. So it kind of make me watch him a little bit like... Are you for real, bro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, to be fair, I, that, I mean, that, that, man, that man does country music, like, like you know, <laughs> I don't. But I, you know what it reminded me of? It's like, because I, 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 when I saw him walking out, I was immediately reminded of the of the white stars, or they eventually found out it was, it was, it was heavy metal stars. We decided to come together after all of this and say, we're going to do our own um, okay. response. And I was like, I wonder... So that was that. That was my memory. Yeah, um, I, I should look up the name of that, but I remember. Yeah, there were there was a metal version of it though. So right. I think it was like a bunch of guys, like you know, from like um, Van Halen or whatnot. Because well, to be fair, they did consider Van Halen, right? But it was like, nah, we need more pop friendly voices, I guess. So not like a real heavy like him, though. Even though you had rock guys were rocking quotes, like say, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen, like, for Bruce example, right? Um, but yeah. It was, but it was so funny. I didn't even notice, right? Um, Bob Dylan was there though, and right. like it makes sense him feeling uncomfortable, Jerry. Because like if you hear this man music from the sixties, right, he does like folk music now. Yeah, like he shouldn't fit because he voiced too soft there. But I like yep. how he had to be coached to do his his moment and how he yep. is very Bob Dylan. So I like that. That, that was cool. So they kind of worked together, right? But yeah, I, I, um, right. So as I said, you know, there was a the metal version. They even did this. Um, you know, they stopped the thing with uh, a bunch of like rappers in the late eighties. That was right. cool. They did. Um, and they I remember SNL made a bit out of it. Uh, back in that time, Phil Hartman. And, but it, what they did was do a bunch of older stars. So they had like Frank Sinatra, and Frank Sinatra like not understanding the new artists. And that's a joke. Okay. Like, yeah, it's all of that shit. I was like, Phil Hartman is like brilliant as Frank Sinatra. That was a whole bit. <laughs> oh, it's oh, all he, oh, he played them. Okay, okay. Wow. I, I, yeah, I, I'll, yeah. I'll look for that. Right. So yeah, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, this 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 is for this is for 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 music heads though, or at least people like me who right. just like fascinated in the art of music. I want to know, hey, like like just in general though, how these 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 superstars got into one studio 
and did this in one night, right? So that that is a very um, big question, and I like how the show answers, right? But yeah, to be fair, this is a standard, you know, music um, documentary. Yep. It doesn't it, it not gonna it, it doesn't reinvent the wheel or whatnot. Uh, like I wasn't expecting it to, right? But the show just kind of does what it does. It tells the story, and like the people who were there on that one night, you know, it does a job, and then and then leaves, right? But it's still um, it's still it's it's still a very entertaining watch too. And yeah, you really do see um, yeah the process behind me. King, what was probably right. one of the greatest songs, or I should say one of the greatest pop songs, right? Or charity pop songs, if you will, of all time, right? So rating-wise for me, I'm going to give this a lighter, decent three and a half out of five, man. I think that it is worth checking out. Uh, but again, if you just don't care about 80s pop music or 80s music, yeah, this will do absolutely nothing for you, man. But you know, this was a, a great, like, you know, behind-the-scenes look in the process of, you know, making this song, though. But, um, yeah, I, I felt we could have gotten a little bit more, um, like, tension, though, like, like really understanding, you know, it was all these people that were there and, you know, like, anything could go wrong, like I was saying before with um, Cindy Lauper, right? But, again, somehow they pull it off and, yeah, it, 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 it worked. And, you know, we have this song that is still remembered to this day and, I guess, still played on 100FM or, you know, 97 or, you know, any adult contemporary station that, you know, probably still plays that song, right? right? You know, so it's like that. But, yeah, it's on Netflix right now and I say, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth checking out. So, Ricardo, your, your, your thoughts on, um, almost see We Are The Will. Um, yeah, I, I was... Yeah, I was pretty disappointed in this. I thought we'd have gotten something. This this this, this kind of come out in the '90s as a documentary. Like it was just it didn't do anything with the material or 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 anything that interesting. It just relies on kind of the nostalgia kick for it. Um, you know, it's fine. Like it 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 does that. But I really thought we'd have gotten something more interesting. It just way too bog standard as a, a documentary structure wise and content concept wise, especially all the know and the history that we have over it. So it just comes across like a kind of puff piece. I mean, which is fine if 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 that's where you're going for. But I was I was expecting something better from Netflix. Um, as it is, it's it's okay because I didn't hate hate what they did with it. Uh, in terms of just the general conceit and what they're trying to go for, especially since his Lionel Richie was heading it and and he was the kind of the main talking head. Um, going forward, I mean, it was fine. But I, I really wa- wanted more drama, more structure, more history, more behind the scenes, more 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 just context. Like just have that work a little better. And it just way, way too standardized uh, as a conceit and uh, as a as a as a doc. Uh, but still not that bad, you know. Watchable. I mean, if you're a con- completionist, I I do think yeah, okay, you should probably watch it. Um, you know, it it does rely on you knowing the nostalgia kick. But I don't know. I, I felt I learned more by watching. Remember, I love the eighties on VH1. Like yes, yes. talking I, about I, it. I think they did. Yes, they did talk about that song. Yeah. Right. And, exactly. And it's it's the more version that came afterwards. I right. That yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, I wish. I wish we got more more research behind this or whatever it is. Like it. It just felt. Yeah, it's felt like they could have do more with this. It just felt way too amateurish, either, either way too amateurish or too much of a puff piece. I mean, hell, I, you know, I, I like the the Rhapsody doc we got, and that that's about kind of the same thing, right? Conceptually, right? Um, you know, it it's you know the big the, the powers that be making the documentary for them. So it's just that it's just a trip down memory lane, and it's about that. Um, I really wanted more something more interesting as it is. I, I don't think there's gonna be winning any awards anytime soon, to be honest. Um, but I didn't hate it or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, just just generally disappointing. Given 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 the amount of hype that went into this, like I was thinking, oh, real, because I see a lot of people like talking about it and and hyping it up a lot. So like, oh shit, it's gonna be hard and real big now. And it kind of wasn't. It's was just like just kind of flat and just kind of in and out for me. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Written five out of ten. You know, not like a worst of list or anything like that. But I was just I was just disappointed. I really wanted more from this. Yeah, that's about it. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Tracy, you could close things off with your thoughts on this film here. 
Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm in the category of, well, I, A, I love seeing a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. Two, this sort of took me back to memories, personal memories of, like, okay, uh, having to be in studio with a bunch of, I mean, it's not the same, but it's, like, a bunch of local artists late at night, putting all kinds of random things, right. the feeling that goes in there. So, like, that kind of tension and that vibes. I will agree with you in this. I felt like it could have gotten just a little bit more, especially, like, when you start to deal with the idea of, um, spoiler alert, Sheila E, how right. a relationship to that and how they were trying to get Prince and how she felt at the time, that could have been explored a great deal more. That being said, I mean, I, I, I have some scribbles here from my notes with stuff like, Watching cassettes get made really does something to me because I remember the days of walking around inside Caribbean Sound Basin. Um, I just realized that this is the first, because I don't watch like American Idol or, you know, America's Got Talent or whatever it is like that. So this was the first time in a while that I actually sat down and listened to Lionel Richie talk for any real length of time. They felt like I could feel like I could feel a little bit of tension and a little bit of the chaos that goes into it. Again, Cindy Lauper with that whole... Uh, the, the bangles doing the feedback on it as a slight spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, my biggest joke for the night, though, was there's a little piece, small spoiler, where, you know, there's a snake involved with Michael and Lionel. And I, that was decidedly hilarious. But it just, it, it was one of those things, maybe it really is nostalgia, but it's one of those things that I, I popped it on. And I said, okay, I'm gonna. I I I know we're gonna be talking about it, so I'm gonna watch it. And the smile never left my face to the end, even like the slightly cringy moments of them trying to figure out what's going on, or like Stevie trying to um, put a little bit of Swahili inside of the thing. It's like, well, they don't speak Swahili in Ethiopia, and yeah, that yeah. whole that whole scene there. Um, I do. Here's my thing. I feel like even though it didn't explode with like a lot of this tension happened and that tension happened you could feel it in the room because you know there's something that lionel says at the beginning where he's like there's 40 something uh, uh artists in a room if you were to ask them what do you think this needs you'll get 40 something different responses and during the course of the night you realize that they all had the little maybe we should do this and we should think that and and it's how to corral these people into one grouping so right. for me i i well like it i think i have i mean obviously i have a, a bit more of a of an appreciation for this for the song and what it meant hilariously whenever i think about that song i think about outside of the you know the white performers um it was here and aid from 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 the uh uh the heavy metal artists they came together to do their song for Africa type of something, and it was here and Eid. So it sounded like here and Eid. Um, right, right. But I also remember, and this is on a side, but I also remember um, Phil Collins. Is it Phil Collins? Phil Collins, take a look at me now. That whole... Right. That, whole that whole era was a weird... Everything is wrong with Africa. We need your help because you had right. Michael do Man in the Mirror. You had We Are the World. You had, you know, um, take a look at me now. And it was, you know, fodder for your parents, you know, to be telling you, this is why you need to eat your food because this is what's right. happening. And all the song was playing all the time. But it really did, it really did sort of bring me back to a good feeling. And I had a smile on my face for the whole documentary, even in that, at the end when, where one particular artist was crying because she said she didn't want it to end and she wanted that good vibe to continue. And 
it just it put me back in a in a mental space where I was like, this was good, and I agree with Sibeli. I kind of need to go back and you know queue up a, a whole bunch of some of these people. So yeah, I I like it. This is a this is a solid uh, eight for me. I would I would even say seven and a half, but I would give it an eight because it was just it was just it was like a it was it was a nice warm hug. It was it was a vibe. So that was it for me. Nice, nice, nice. All right, so up next, we'll talk about Hasbin Hotel. Um, this was a show that I was just hearing about, um, you know, online and, you know, what's the show about and, you know, all this all this weirdness and all that kind of stuff, right? I, I, I sort of had to do my, my research on this, right? And I found out that, um, well, the pilot for this actually was released in 2019 on YouTube. So I actually watched that before jumping into the series itself, right? Um, this is the brainchild of um, Viv C. Pop, right? Or Vivian Medrano, right? Um, an, an animator who I am not... Um, I, I, I know nothing about her at all. I, have, I haven't even seen her. Like, if you were to go on, you know, Wikipedia right now, like, the image for her, like, is that even... Um, uh, like, you don't see a profile photo. You just see, like, an a image that she drew or whatever it is, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I know nothing about her. I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ricardo, uh, Double Toasted, or I say Corey um, Coleman, had interviewed her um, a few years back. Um, I shot okay. it up. I, I didn't get the chance. Okay, well, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, if, if it's this one, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Well, but I, I, I thought you knew. I thought that at least you were familiar with the... With Not really. That's the thing. Is, is one of these things I just kind of slipped past my radar now. Like, you know, I was... I, I You know, it's scuttlebutt now, but I don't remember, like, watching the material or getting into it. But I'm aware of her as a person, as an animator, I kind of. Okay. I mean, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah, there was that, right? And then there was also, um, well, a spin-off series, right? So it's not actually Hell um, Husband Hotel, but a series called Hell of a Boss. Um, that one, I, I think that's a web series. That one I'm not familiar with at all, right? But um, I believe you, 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 you're familiar with it, um, Ashen. Hell of a Boss is actually one of my favorite YouTube um, animations. That, okay. along with the, Bra the Bravest Warrior, if you guys have never seen it. The Bravest Warrior is hilarious, and it was YouTube animation. But um, the YouTube animation space is very weird, right? Because initially, you're going to get lots of offerings, and then all of a sudden, nothing. And then um, that's how it was for me and um, Hell of a Boss. Because as you said, Hell of a Boss introduced Hasbin Hotel to kind of make it a universal thing. But then... They stopped doing Hell of a Boss totally and only focus on Husband Hotel because of some kind of animating problem or some kind of drama they were having in the background. But what I like about the show, right, is still their use of colors. Yeah. They use very specific colors in the show and they try to keep it that way. Also, do not, you, in this show, you cannot like any character you really um, come across because. At the end of the day, everybody in hell, right? <laughs> and there's a reason everybody in hell. Uh, the creepiest character in this show for me is Alistair. I don't know if you came across Alistair when you was watching it. I'm trying to remember who Alistair was. Yo, bro, oh, he's Alistair. the most oh, creepy. Okay, okay, right, right. I, I know you talk about, right? Yes, Alistair, the radio demon. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about him. Um, that that actually is a standout character in in Hasbin Hotel. Yeah, super creepy guy. Super. Do you know his law? Do you know the law of Alistair? 
I know that they mention it in this show here in this season. Like they give like a brief run through of, or I should say, what because you know there's this whole like like um, continue going on. Like you know he suddenly disappeared, right? So what happened to him? And they get a hint at what he was up to and what you know the you know what he have in mind in terms of what he want to accomplish, basically, which is nothing good, you know what I mean? But they just sort of hint at it. They didn't really dive too deep into it, you know. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown on Alistair, right? So Alistair, when he was still part of the living, he was a serial killer, but he also worked on the radio, right? Oh, okay. Um, that explains his his character, the way how he moves. Very, very sinister, but very kind of sneaky, you know? Very slimy, like, yes. a, like a, a typical used car salesman kind of vibe. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But basically, he was a serial killer. And he went to go and bury a body and a hunter shot him in his head. And that's how he died. Because part of his serial killer getup was wearing antlers. So the hunter thought he was a deer and bust him in his head and kill him. And that's how he ended up in hell now. And um, he still continues to be the radio demon in hell, right? And his voice is very unique. I love his voice. Yeah. What what is It's a a sort of a filter that he used, right? Um, Where it sounds like an old-timey 40s radio. So it's like, we have to talk like this. And, you know, it's it's, it's a kind of a distortion that they do on his voice. And, like, every time he speaks, it it sounds like it comes from one of those old, you know, again, 1940s radios, right? It's a very, like nifty piece of um uh, sound editing though i should really like look up like what you know um preset you know maybe it's on uh, yeah, it's i don't know maybe it's there but i, I don't learn it yeah yeah and um man i i think the show does a good job uh i don't want to i don't want to expose too much and 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 over over speak about it and leave you out to the ditch but the Lucifer and Lily character is also top tier, top tier stuff. Um, the writing is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Then, as a, again, you have to take into like consideration this all happening in hell, and this is all demons we're dealing with, with the exception of three people who are not really demons, but they are kind of demons, mm-hmm. but not really. Yeah, right. But yeah, the show's sick. Uh, I love it, and. I wish that they would give Hell of a Boss the kind of attention that they're giving this. Hopefully one day when they figure out what's wrong, they could also get back together and do that as well. Agreed. Or I, I don't know, maybe merge the two together or at least take some characters from Hell of a Boss and put it in this show. You know, who knows, right? I, I guess we'll see. Um, I guess we'll see very soon, right? But yeah. The problem with that is the musical, the musical aspect of Hasbin Hotel goes against the Hell of a Boss vibe now, which is... Uh, down on your luck company that hires people to kill people. That's oh, it. Okay, okay, okay. So that, that's why the uh, it wouldn't mesh. I, I mean, it would mesh maybe. That'll be interesting though. That'll be interesting if they could actually pull that off. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But all right, but but yeah, but but let's let's get back to Hasbin Hotel, right? You know, so we mentioned hell and demons and all that kind of stuff. So what it's about, right? Um, just 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 stick with me, guys, right? So what it's about, um, it's centered on the character of Charlie Morningstar, right? Who is the princess of hell, right? So her father is Lucifer, and her mom is Lilith, right? You know, so um, 
actually they do something very good in this premiere here, right? That they did not do in the pilot, right? I'll, I'll compare the two um, later on, right? Where they kind of explain how this world works, right? So as I said, Ashton, yes, it's set in hell, right? But they tell like a much different story of, you know, like, um, you know, the creation of mankind, you know, so they, they do a flip on the Adam and Eve, you know, um, you know, from the Bible, like they, they flip it and tell it in a much different way, right? But it's all to set up the fact that now we have hell where, of course, sinners go, right? And they have to reside there, right? But heaven, and just keep in mind, right? So, okay, so just to get this out of the way, folks, you're not really supposed to take any of this seriously, right? Uh, especially if you are, like, very religious. Um, you're not supposed to take any of this seriously, right? Um, like, like I am a Christian, right? And I watch and all this and I'm like, yeah, I, I really can't take, I really should not take any of this seriously, right? But I, but I know some people, I know some people will watch this and think that, oh, you're trying to, like, you know, subvert this and you're trying to, like, chain up this and you're trying to tell people this is how he- heaven is. Devil take is always devil. You're trying to bring them to the seat on his own. Exactly. That's what they're going to be saying. Like, no, folks. No, no. That's not what it is. If you come out of this thinking that this show is like pro-Satanism, then you absolutely miss the point of this, right? It's not, right? It's just like a weird, twisted take on the whole heaven versus hell, good versus evil kind of thing, right? So it's literally reversed in this show, right? But anyway, so we have Charlie, who is the princess of hell, right? And the idea is that, you know, because you have these sinners here, right? So every year, um, there's these representatives in, in heaven, right? Well, they're called the exorcists, right? So it's this spe- specific, um, like, soldier um, angel. And there's a whole bunch of them who, who go down to hell and just pretty much... Um, the idea is that, oh, the sinners will eventually rise up to earth or they will try to bring some kind of influence onto the people of earth, right, who who are still living on earth, right? So we have to go down to hell every year and wipe out as much as these people as possible, as much as these sinners as possible, and then we go back up, right? But in Charlie's mindset, is like, well, no, you're kind of killing innocent people or innocent demons, right? So her plan is that she wants to, she creates a hotel, right? And in the pilot itself, you see her actually establish it, right? But in, you know, in this season, it's already established, right? Um, so the name of the hotel is Has Been Hotel. So the idea is that, you know, sinners can be redeemed. And if they're lucky enough, maybe they could go into heaven. They could be re- redeemable enough to be sent to heaven, right? Because she doesn't want to see more, you know, sinners or at least people who live in hell with her die, you know, every year because of this weird purge that, you know, these angels are doing, right? So, right, right. That whole that whole scene was kind of weird, eh? That yeah. whole, um, the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, I'll tell you, it's a weird law, though, you know what I mean? But again, I'll, I'll talk about the, the, the pilot in relation to that a little bit, right? Um, she has a girlfriend by the name of Vagi, right? Who is, um, voiced by McGill. Who's seen ever. Yeah, uh, I know, right? And they actually explain why she's called that. And it's like, yeah, that, that, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil that. That, that actually makes sense, right? Uh, she, you know, as you'd expect from a character, I don't know, like, it's just something with the characters that Stephanie picks to play, except for, um, oh gosh, for who she plays in, in um, Encanto, I forgot the name right now. Yeah, she always plays, like, these kind of cynical characters, just like, you know, like, whatever, I don't care, I hate you, you know, like that, right, you know? Um, 
but she supports, you know, um, she supports Charlie in her role, right? Because yeah, Charlie is so upbeat and so optimistic and so weird right, in this world, right? But yeah, she's like so driven to, you know, save souls, right? So that's really what it is, right? So she's doing that, right? Um, you mentioned the, the radio demon, right? That's Alistair, right? So yeah, dummy guy. Yeah, right. So Alistair, right? Um, in the pilot, you see how he becomes part of or I should say yeah really helps running the, the hotel right but this one he's already there he's trying to bring people in there and whatnot but just the way how he moves and whatnot you know that there's something else going on with him I'm not gonna say what right but you know they you have that you have um you have a bartender by the name of Husk who is voiced by Keith David I'm like what you know we Keith David you know we we talked about him with the with the Masters of the Universe uh, Revolution show yeah he there and you know he is a, a, a very very cynical character as well even more cynical than um than, than Vaggy right so it's like that uh, we have Nifty who is voiced by my next girl Kimiko Glenn she is this sort of like mischievous childlike demon who is just meant to she is there to, to clean up the place and whatnot right and last but not least we have Angel Dust right who was introduced in the pilot who is this ex-porn star well sorry I should say not even an ex-porn star um, he still is a porn star right um, they kind of set up that he is possibly pansexual because yeah he could go either way that that's the, the assumption, you know. That 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 does it does it does it term I'll use just to you know describe him, right? You know, pansexual. That that's how he comes off to me, right? Yeah, you know, he is very 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 horny. Um, you know, is all these sexual in, uh, um, double entendres and all that kind of stuff. You know, he's always thinking about fucking, always thinking about sex all the time, right? But he is the first person, the first um resident, so to speak, of the hotel, and you know, they're trying to you know set him straight, right? So to speak, right? And throughout the show, you know, we just see a bunch of misadventures, you know, involving um, Charlie and just her trying to set things, you know, just trying to live by her promise that, you know, she wants to save souls, right? But at the same time now, Heaven now has a plan and, you know, through some circumstances, they cut the time to do this purge now to six months now. Um, so, yeah, in six months, they're going to come down and, you know, just waste a bunch of um, demons, right? So, yeah, now our heroes, so to speak, have six months to try to save as much souls as possible, right? Uh, one of the guys who's running stuff in heaven is um, Adam, as in the Adam, right? And I'll say right off the gate, he is one of the best characters in this whole show, but I'll tell you why in a bit, right? But yeah, um, Ashton, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on this uh, on this season here? And I'll, I'll just close off with my thoughts. Personally, I think it was good groundwork. And as you said, right, if, you, if you're going to sit down to watch this show, um, you need to watch it with an open mind, right? Because obviously the content okay. is... is, is very jarring to some people, right? It is, yeah. Um, and shows like this have existed before, you know, shows like God the Devil and Bob, Good Omens, shows that, that kind of try to blame you. Stuff like uh, American Gods kind of follow that same sort of trigger, like subverting what we know about religion and stuff like that. Religion, right? But I mean, even American Gods has a nice way of bringing it with the new religions being like internet and this and that. You know, it's, it's really a... Cause that's what people pray into, right? That's what they that's that's the whole theory behind it, which is sick. But you have to watch this with a real open mind because uh whatever whatever somebody considers a sin or a hellish thing or a devil thing, it's gonna pop up in this show and it's gonna affect your it's gonna affect you the way that it's um presented to you. So, all right, for instance, if you are 
extremely religious and you do not believe in uh girls dating girls or guys dating guys this is gonna whew. yeah boy yep Ooh, this is gonna damage your, your your feeble smooth brain self you know what i mean even my little reptile brain can handle it but i don't know about these other people out here you know um show was good i mean i could use less musical i mean i said that earlier right but for the tone the tonality of the show and what the show is trying to do it works for the show um yeah i mean i'd love to see a little bit of hell of a boss as you said a little crossover in there as well you know give a little nod to them be interesting and i would definitely recommend this once you have an open mind um and it doesn't make sense to hate watch it. You're just wasting your life to hate watch something, right? So if that's in your if that's in your plans, I mean like that's time you're never gonna get back in your life. And oh. you can't afford to waste time. Oh, 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 oh what I would say, if 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 certain people plan on watching this whole season out just so they can make videos and say, Oh, you're not supposed to watch this because it has all this content, then yeah, you you wasting your time. You could spend Yeah, you're making you new sense, right? Yeah, you your life doing something much better and more productive with your life, right? Yeah, because without even watching the show just for the general what the show is about you already understand if you could take it on or not there's no reason to watch it just to go online and be like vomit you know you're not gonna like it unless you're gonna watch it with an open mind and give it a fair shake don't watch it at all oh yeah by the way 10 out of 10 would recommend oh 10 out of 10 okay wow all right Uh, right, because i have i have a i have a love for it right because i've been i've been on this since it started basically all right, totally on the creator. Mm. So yeah, so for me, it's, it's, a, it's a deep love for this because of my whole trolling on YouTube and finding all these little cartoons and stuff. Um, like I said, Bravest Warrior, The Bravest Warriors, also Alpha Betas. If you've never seen Alpha Betas, it's on YouTube, animation. You need to watch Alpha Betas. All right, all right, all right. Well, well, thanks for the recommendation, man. Um, well, what what I would say, if you don't mind me, cut to the right. Um, about this show, right? About about this show, sorry, is that um this this for me is my my true introduction to um just the the imagination that Vivian Medrano has though. Um, she just has such a vivid imagination, just coming up with all this kind of stuff though. And and you know, it's you can really feel the passion in what she puts into this, right? So it's really amazing that you know we had. This, this one pilot back in like what 2019 and then she had the spin-off show and now she has has been hotel here right so yeah it's like the sky's the limit for her right um so on the subject of the pilot itself right again i recommend that that you do check it out on youtube right but even while i was watching this though i was just taken aback though because all i just knew was it was just hell and characters there right but i didn't know that it was that subversive though i didn't know that it was going to be like that right so it, it takes a while for you to adjust into this, right? And then it gets even weirder when the musical numbers come in, right? And speaking of the music, uh, I thought that the music totally works for this too. It's that sort of Broadway style kind of um, music, right? But how, how, the best thing I could compare to, it's it's similar to like what um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone did for um, the South Park movie, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, and Team America, right? That sort of, or well, not, not so much Team America, but more South Park, right? That sort of Broadway style, but we throw in a little cuss words here or there. But the songs slap, and they really do slap it. Eh? They really do, right? Um, 
but again it's what they're singing about and is the context of it too right and i would say like songwriting it's 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 excellent like it's genuinely excellent right so um i think right now if i'm not mistaken i think um, amazon prime video at least their youtube channel put out the musical numbers i think some if not all of them online right now on youtube so you can watch them i think that's a real smart call it helps in promoting the show as well right but yeah uh one takeaway from this show definitely is the music so you had to go in you know e- even if you're not the biggest musical fan um yeah you have to admit that the, the the songwriting works how it's framed in the episodes work and this songwriting and this from a musical aspect yeah these songs slap though um on the subject of that though um erica Henningsen, who plays um, Charlie Morningstar, though. Uh, wow, she is excellent in this, right? And um, I didn't even know this. I actually now found out she plays um, Katie Heron in uh, Mean Girls, well, the, the musical version of Mean Girls, right? So, oh, okay, nice, nice. Yeah, so I'm like, but but she is a star, though. Like, just the voice acting she does, the singing. She Yo, does, she's she all bubbles, it. all bubbles. Yeah, boy. And she kneels that whole optimistic vibe of her, right? Like when she sings, it's just so spirited, though, the way how she sings and whatnot, right? And the voice that she does, right? Um, Stephanie Beatrix actually get to sing some... Well, she sang a few songs, actually, which was kind of a letdown, though, because, like, I don't know, for me, I, I kind of fell in love with her singing voice, thanks to Encanto. Like, when I heard her singing that, I was like, wow, that's that's you, boy? Like, wow, I, 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 I like, really love you, though. Wow, you know what I mean? But I felt like she could have had more moments to sing, though. Like, but she had a great duet with um with Erica, so that was cool, but I felt like she could have had more moments, though, right? And I seen that, too, because, um oddly enough, she get top billing, and I was like, that kind of weird because it's really the Charlie story. It's not so much uh, Vaggy, really, but, you know, Vaggy is there, but it's not about her, right? You know, she's just supporting Charlie, right? Um, the supporting characters uh, are very colorful, as the worst way I could say it too. Uh, whether it's Alistair, who once again just has that. Just the, uh, I should mention to the character design is, is great as well. It's this specific... How to say it, it really does remind me of stuff that you would see like in a in a Cartoon Network show. You know, it has that sort of like mid two thousand style of the 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 artwork and the, the character design. Though, but I think that it works here, right? Uh, so I'll tell, I'll tell you something interesting about that, right? Uh, about the character design in this show specifically. So everybody who is part of the universe that is is main character or main supporting character. They are based on the way that they died and the way that they lived, right? Okay. So Alistair sounds and looks like that because of the serial killer, right? Right. But if you look at his legs, his legs are a deer's legs with hooves because he was shot and killed mistakenly as a deer or as a moose or whatever. Right, right. So that's how these character designs were done, which is very interesting as well. So it helps frame backstory for a lot of the characters as well. All right, all right. Well, uh, well thanks for the heads up there, man. Um, Angel Dust, though, is, is uh, 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 how to say, an eyebrow-raising character, boy. Just how crass he is. Just how blatantly sexual he is, though. Just throwing all these double entendres on you. Well, not even double entendres. Like, he would just kind of let people know, yeah, he just down to fuck, though. He, he is that kind of guy, right? But I should mention, though, um, episode four, boy, um... Not only is it, in my opinion, the best episode in this whole season, boy, but it is probably the darkest one, boy, because they do some backstory into him. Um, 
as you say, pretty much in this world, demons can have whole like a like a, a gripner on, on other demons. So they could be like pretty much chained to them, like like just spiritually, right? So they have to do their bidding, right? Um it's the same thing with husk. I'm not gonna say who controls husk, right? But with Angel, there is this particular guy, this pawn director, Dredd, who pretty much have him like just literally doing whatever, right? And just how they explore that 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 character's backstory, though, right, was so incredibly dark, Joe. To the point that you will look at sex work in a totally different way, though. Like it, it's very, very, very dark, right? Um, and he, he, well, the character gets a moment to sing as well, too, right? And slight spoiler. They choose a weekend-esque kind of song for him to sing, a sort of a dark eighties pop synth pop song, and that fit perfectly, perfectly with Angel. Does the one this the, the what he was singing about and all that kind of stuff though. But this but this B four one though, it is very, 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 very dark though. I must say, right? But how they spin it around though, like this, like that episode does a complete one eighty right afterwards though, and it it just ends on a shockingly bright note, like a shockingly optimistic note though, because yeah, it was just like this downward spiral into hell, and then afterwards they just do this one eighty, like wow, we're like it, everything gonna be okay, but like wow, you know what I mean? But yeah, hands down, best episode, right? Um. And just the whole thing about this war that's coming up as well too. I like how it's all built up and whatnot. I like how it affects um how it affects uh you know Charlene and you know her, her optimism as well too. Her dad, Lucifer, shows up and he's actually voiced by um Jer- Jeremy Jordan, you know. Last time I saw him was in um in Supergirl, right? You know, he was he's he's um he's win, right? From from Supergirl, right? And yeah, I, I was reminded that the man could sing though, like the man could really, really sing though. And I actually do, you know, again, it's characters, right? Not to be taken seriously. I actually do like the character of Lucifer in this, right? Again, not to be taken seriously, right? Um, but for me, though, um, the highlight, the, the, the best character for me, though, agree to disagree, Ashton, is Adam, though. Cause he is just such a douchebag, though. He is such an asshole, but I like that he 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 kind of revels in it. He's like, you know, he's like, fuck you. He's like, up yours, bitches. You know what I mean? But it's how he portrays it, though. It's yeah, because so, he's so like, funny. making Jerry with the tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just the cockiness of it that I love, though. And yeah, he gets a moment to sing. I love the song that he sings. I think it's in the episode one, though. Uh, but yeah, it it totally works, though. Um, as for Gripes, though, I just felt like the, the ending was a tad bit rushed, but I understand is the ending and they kind of work it with, you know, a certain amount of time. So I felt like the war scene kind of went really quick. Um, but they do set up, <clears throat> sorry, they do set up some stuff for a possible season two. I think that, yeah, you know, it, you know, there will be a season two. I mean, just of the popularity the show already getting, um, it, it's a no-brainer. You have to get, you have to give it a second season, right? But I wasn't completely blown away by how it ended. It was just like, all right, well, this character may come and this, this and that. And like, okay, like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? But it, it, it works for what it is, right? Um, lastly, you know, the, well, I should say, you know, the, the, the artwork is great as well. As I said, Ashton, you know, just the use of color is great though. Of course, they in hell. So there's a lot of like, um, not so much muted colors, but a lot of like, um, reds and reds and, and, and yeah, and oranges and oranges, but it all fits right. And, you know, you see the contrast with the, with heaven as well too, and how it's shown, right? And also voice acting is great though. That's just just across the board though. That's voice acting is, is is stellar, right? You know, um, from from start to end. So yeah, you know, as you said, Ashen, you really have to go in with an open mind with this though, because yes, when you go into it like blind as I did, it's it's very. 
very um off it's it's rather off put uh off putting though you just kind of watch it like what, what the hell is all this you're like what the fuck am i watching right but once you kind of dive in dive into what it is though it, it it absolutely works right um but i would say you know again you know you have to see the pilot just to kind of get the gist of what this wheel is and i should mention too though um this is you know uh very nsfw type you know content though you know just very crass very vulgar humor you know a lot of lot of f-bombs on the show um but again it fits in the world of the show right it it could kind of veer on the juvenile at times though but again i get it you know it's hell that so nobody cares right but it kind of fits though you know what i mean uh, um a uh, uh, mercy right so mostly times the jokes land other uh, uh, and, and oftentimes you know, i should say sometimes not so much you know but for the most part the jokes really do land right so i have to give them credit for that right but again um <clears throat> if you're if you're just going with an open mind I just trust that, okay, this show is not going to try to change my mind on how I should view heaven or hell. You know, it's just a, a, a weird, crazy subversion of it. That's all. It's all about entertainment. You will you will enjoy it. You will appreciate it for, it, for, for, for what it is, right? But for me, my main takeaway, though, is just the imagination that, that Vivian have, though, in just telling the story, right, and exploring this world. And you can tell a lot of it resonates with her and, you know, with her sexuality as well, too. So, yeah, you know, it it, it's, it's a show that you know people can kind of watch and relate to in in many ways right you know and i i appreciate that so yeah i want to see more of her work i want to see a season two of this i want to see her expand this world man and you know just really let her imagination fly right for we know she could be the next jendy um tartowski right you know very soon you know who knows right but yeah rita wise for me i'm gonna yo i mean like uh-huh. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, we had to support these kind of people because, I mean, think of where this show came from, right? YouTube. From YouTube, And I was on yes. Amazon. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. So, and, and, and E24 is distributing this too, I must say too, right? So we... You, yeah, this is what I'm saying. No, we had to, you had to follow your dreams out there, people. Follow your dreams follow out there. Follow them. Out. Yeah, because we went from, from YouTube to E24, you know, and, and Amazon, you know, Prime Video, you know, this is what we talk about, right? So yeah, uh, rate-wise, I'm going to give this... Uh, Strong chain out for the fight, man. I, I I think that it is worth checking out. It is not gonna be for everybody, right? But I would say if you go in and you you know you're gonna like in my case you wanna binge it through, yeah, yeah, you, you kinda have to go in knowing what to expect, right? Even though you might not you might be weighed out by just all the subversion and all the stuff, right? But again, as I said, Ashen, go in with an open mind and you will enjoy it, right? The show is not going to subvert you or try to twist your mind or whatever. That's not the point of it, right? It's just meant to entertain. And yeah, I was I was actually totally entertained by this man. So yeah, I can't recommend this enough, man. All right, so uh, let's talk for a bit about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, right? Um, Tracy, if you don't mind, I'll wait to do the synopsis for this, right? So Mr. and Mrs. Huzzah. Yeah, right. So, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, right? So, once upon a time, back in 2005, there was a little movie called Mr. and Mrs. Smith, right? Which I only saw once in theaters. Um, really? Yeah, I saw it once. And um, I I liked it. I, I, I liked it for what it was. It, you know, back then, you know, it, it was, the cell was, it's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, right? Who, yep. you know, even, though, even though Brad Pitt had a, had a rough 2003, he had a rough 2003, um, his career was still on the rise, right? I know Angelina Jolie was riding high off of, um, you know, stuff like, um, you know, the Tomb Raider films. Although she was in Alexander, she was in that, you know, she, she was in that, she was in that, right? But yeah, you know, the cell was, is Brad Pitt 
and Angelina Jolie, right? You know, two of the hottest actors in the game in this, right? So, of course, going into this, of course, you know, they have to sell their sex appeal, right? So that was kind of the sell of it too, right? But I real, I dug the premise of it too, right? Where it's this married couple and each one thinking that, you know, the partner just normal, you know, nine to five stuff, right. come home, you know, it's like that. But they realize, yeah, so oh, wow, they're, they're assassins. Oh, shit, wow, you know? Yeah, it was a, it was a kind of dual-edged true lies kind of thing. That's right. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it was that, right? You know, yeah, yeah, good reference with the true lies stuff, right? Um, but yeah, where, where true lies, where it was, you know, the man, the, the husband was the spy. In this case, it's both of them were spies, right? Um, for me, the biggest highlight was when they kind of realized that they are assassins. And, you know, there's a great scene, and you see it in this version here too, where, where they bust and try to bust shots at each other and in the living room and in the kitchen <laughs> like that, that moment to me is is the best is the best aspect of the show that is the most memorable aspect of the show right and i think it kind of ends with them kind of making out but again it's a cell right you know it's it's them and the hot and whatnot right um but behind the scenes though you know unfortunately uh yeah i remember this though uh brad pitt was still with jennifer aniston and you know i, I think i i think i don't know if it was true or not but i i do remember all things brad pitt yeah you know rumors was going around that brad was having an affair with Anthony. On the set, and because of that, well, yeah, Jennifer split with Brad, right? So, yeah, I have to thank the show for that. Wow, so look at that, right? But but still, for what it was, though, it was entertaining, right? I enjoyed it, but I just didn't have any reason to, to watch it over. Maybe I should have over the years, but I don't know. I, I guess for me, it's just that um, I wasn't the biggest Angelina Jolie fan. I mean, I know she was hot back then, but I just wasn't the biggest fan. And Brad Pitt wasn't the biggest, biggest fan of him either, even though I know he signed stuff like Fight Club and um, Seven. But I felt like in the late, like, um, 2000s, or I should say, like, going into the 2010s, when his, um, like, his career kind of did this resurgence, yeah, that's when he really started to click with me. So stuff like Ad Astra or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's when I really, like, look at him and, like, oh, like, this man seriously can act, though. It's not just, you know, look at me i'm hot you know i'm handsome you know it, like that was his cell back in the 2000s right but like when he got older it's like nah the man can like really act when you kind of had to look back at his career be like yeah we were wrong about this guy right so you know no surprise the man win a, a oscar for once upon a time in hollywood right but that's that so yeah again never had reason to, to rewatch uh mr and mrs smith right but i was surprised that um you know we were getting this um uh, this remake series right i was hearing it through the grapevine and I was hearing that, you know, Donald Glover was going to be in it. So I was like, all right, Donald Glover, you know what I mean? You know, again, the only Donald that matters in 2024 right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was surprised, like, you in this? Because, again, the, because for me, right, I think it's because you never really, I could, I, like, for me, like, just haven't, having seen his career grow over the years, right, both as a musician and as an actor, you never picture him in an action film, right? Like, you would think, like, you know, at some point in time, he would have appeared in an action movie. Or, sorry, not appeared. Starred in one, you know, maybe try this look at it. But being, like, ho- like just being the 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 um, the, the head, no, just being the f- um, front and center of what I assumed going into this was going to be action shows. Like, nah, Donald Glover? I don't know, right? But then the trailer came out. I was like, oh, that's what you're going for. Okay, so it's not just the action, but it's also on the idea of, you know, these two spies, you know, being in a relationship now. And I like how they how they flipped that there. So in this case, it's not that they didn't know that they were spies. They knew that they were spies, right? But they're doing this cover where they have to assume this identity of John and Gene Smith 
and they are, leg are legally married, right? But at the same time, they have to do these missions and you kind of see how that affects their, their relationship, right? So that is a very, very intelligent way of taking that, you know, the 2005 film and just twisting it in a different way, right? So when I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah, this this looks really good, right? And, um, you know, it also co-stars uh, Maya Erskine, who, you know, right. he, you know, was me. Yeah, Blue Eye Samurai. Samurai yeah. You know, my favorite show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, hey, it's cool seeing the two of them together because I haven't seen her really act. They were supposed to, was, was Aquafina not supposed to be playing the part originally? Um, Quick question. You know, you know, uh, she, was, she was the person that was supposed to be with Donald and then they split and okay. after a little while it was Maya who came on board. Okay. Right. And, and then also her too, um, that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was supposed right. to play um, Gina, but she had an okay. issue with mm -hmm. how the character of Jean was portrayed, you know? Because, well, just slight spoiler, um, Jean have a lot of baggage, and, you know, that is a right. Lorna, right? But I haven't seen Fleabag, right? But what I heard is that Phoebe kind of uses that as a strength. So, yeah, she have baggage, and, you know, she have issues with, with trust trust issues now but you cannot treat that as as a as advantage now, you know what I mean so in this case with 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 Jean in this show here it's like no it's a it's a serious flow now but you see how that affects the relationship right but I'll get to that in a bit right so yeah that's that's how it was so um yeah I mean Amazon Prime put out all eight episodes of this and also lastly smart call for putting this out before Valentine's Day because I will say that um yeah I, I I would actually recommend this in terms of like Valentine's Day viewership man uh, this 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 actually will make for a great binge on you know valentine's day right but i'll get to that later on right uh but yeah you know before we get to to, to tracy's um thoughts on the original film um ricardo you have anything to say on the 2005 film before we yeah i remember i remember i remember hating it um, oh really okay it okay. was just yeah it was just so like at the time it just felt like oh this is just performative and the script was to be shockingly weak and it was just, oh, pretty people just being pretty. And they, you know, that big supposed subversion of, oh, well, look how badass they could be, I guess. Um, I, I was just not not into this. This was just pure. It does to totally feel like one of these crappy fluff films that was just, I would, I just remember, I think I watched this in Movie Tongue with my family. And it was, I was just like watching this and be like, oh, this is what he hype about, really? <laughs> like, huh. the, it was, I was in and out about it. I, I couldn't care for it one way or the other. I, I vaguely remember it. Right, it's just like, oh, right, they're remaking this. I thought it was like a book or something. No, uh, not realizing. Oh, it's an original script. All right, I thought it was that kind of interesting. That's it. Moving on. Didn't care about these two. They were. I think at the time they were in the news too much. I was sick of them. This is a big part of that. Um, yeah, it's all of that. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, well, Tracy. You know, before you get in the synopsis, um, you have any memories of the original film? Oh, no, listen, I I loved it. I um I have seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's the thing. Mr. and Mrs. Smith 2005 edition is yes, it is you know, for all intents and people, the pretty people. Um for all intents and purposes, rather. It is it is the pretty people, you know. It is it is Brad who is like, you know, the golden son of Hollywood for all intents and purposes at one point in time and you know, she was still being, you know, um, weird and all sorts of good things and bad things and weird things was happening with Angelina. So you pair these two together, you get a good movie, you get people in seats. But I liked the idea because at the end of the day, the whole point of Mr. and Mrs. Smith is marriage can be a killer. 
um, marriage can be a stress. And how would you plot that they use for that saying that, okay, the two of them are spies and they didn't know that each other was spies and that their companies, both of their companies had come together and decided y'all need to be taken out. I liked that. I liked how it played out. And the music for it, you know how I tend to go with soundtracks and that kind of stuff. Um, I can't remember who did the soundtrack for it, but I do remember having that soundtrack as well as the 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 the, the various artist version of it. I loved it. It was fun. It was fun for what it was. I don't recommend drinking orange juice out of a broken glass. That does not make sense. Uh, but, you know, like after they, they mash up the kitchen and everything of the sort. It was fun. It was a good little ride. So that was my uh, 2005 memory. Like if I if I um, uh, if I'm up on some sort of digital site and it's there or if it's on TNT or something, I'll still take the actual time to sit down and watch these two you know, try and figure out who they are and what they mean and what it means and all that kind of good stuff. It was a vibe. It was a vibe. All right. So, yeah, Tracy, take it away. What is this new 2024 version of Mr. and Mrs. Smith about? All right. So you got these two spies. Uh, they work for an organization. Their boss, their supervisor is some being that is known as High High, which is a joke onto itself. Um, and you have John and Jane Smith, not their real name. And like Sibeli was alluding to earlier, unlike the 2005 film, the thing here is that they, they go into this marriage sort of like with, an, with open eyes. They're both spies. They both know that they're working for the, com for the company. Uh, and what you have happening is that they're going to be off doing missions and they have to figure out how to live with each other. They have a beautiful home. They have a marriage. Over the course of the episodes, they start to um, develop actual feelings for each other. And that brings a measure of complication. And also one of the things that we get to see here is an expansion of the lore in terms of there are many John and Janes, and how do you play into that? So that is the general idea of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's a married couple, quote unquote, married couple who are spies, going on missions together. It's not the most original of constructs, but the way how they do it is original, and that is the thing that I like. Um, in terms of things that I, uh, headcanon-wise, I like about this, I feel like this series could be an extension of the 2005 film in that, okay, so after the end of the 2005 another film, yeah, right. But 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 it's it's almost like this though, the two companies in my mind it's like the two companies realized that this is a thing that could actually happen, joined forces together and decided, from now on we will pair up people to go and do things and do missions. So in the back of my mind, like that could be, the evolution of the process because how do you stop people from falling in love? At some point in time, they will eventually do that. Might as well pair them up one time and send them off to do missions. There are. Little callbacks, I find, uh, to the 2005 film, like, you know, small spoiler, there is another John and Jane that the couple meets, and they have been married for five or six years, and that right. was a running gag in the original film, because nobody's, they couldn't re decide whether it was five or six. Um, the therapist is back, but this right. time it is Sarah Putin, so yeah. they have to go in therapy. What I dig about this version is that it's not 
It's not sleek. It's, for one of a better way of putting it, it's very earthy. It has the espionage. It has the spycraft. But it is not this sleek... Uh, uh, you know, there's a scene that's running through my mind right now of Angelina at the top of the of the of of the hotel and is like diving off the 34th floor or whatever it is like that and coming down while her hair is doing a L'Oreal commercial. It's not that, but at the same point in time, you still get that these are two people that you could possibly see actually married, kind of. Vibe. Also, I'm going to just put this out there: the music by David Fleming is delicious it is it is it, 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 you know you take yeah. an already you take an already good series and then you add david fleming onto it and it just it, it takes it to a whole other level um personal recommendations listen to hi hi meet cute and snow plow or snowboard snow plow those uh, tend to live on my uh, machine on repeat but in terms of where the story goes you can feel the chemistry between uh, Donald and uh, Maya. I would have loved to have seen what a Phoebe Waller-Bridge's um, union would have looked like, especially given, for me, it would have been like it's Lando and his computer back together right. again, kind of. Right. Right. But, right. Also, you know, but also, um, and this is not for, you know, not everybody will think like this, but for me, it was, it was kind of cool to have an Asian black mix as opposed to just the traditional is a black and white couple for you know whether it is for show for optics for however compatibility as they call it i liked the idea of the asian and the black couple coming together and being um like they they you know they're well to do they actually have stuff and it's going pretty good as far as the outside world is concerned I would recommend everybody sitting down and watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It is one of those shows where, even though Donald was involved personally, I didn't know if I necessarily needed it. But when I saw it after the first episode, I was like, yep, okay, I am on board. I, I will eat you know my words because it is worthy of a watch. I can't wait to see where they go next. Um, I'm hoping that they do get a season two because it is good. It was, it is, like I said, it's 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 earthy. So that's how my personal feelings on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Go give it a watch, Amazon Prime. And for me, I'm giving it nine out of ten because it was, it is, it is good. It fits into the world that the 2005 film gives. And my personal head canon, like I said at the beginning of all this, is that this is an extension of that, but like in a different way. And I could almost see, I, I mean, I, I know they wouldn't, but I could almost see at the end of season two, you know, there's a retired John or a retired Jane and cut to, you know, Brad Pitt's very older face or something like, you know, like there's ways to sort of bring those two specifically back if you wanted to. Um, but if they didn't come in, it's not like if the show is beholden on it. It is a brilliant show on its own. That's me. Right, right. Um, well, I'll leave my thoughts for last, right? So, uh, Ricardo, yeah, your thoughts on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, man? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I dug it. Um, it it works as, you know, it starts off, you know, as reasonably semi-competent spies, and then they get into the feelings as 
you know, millennial losers, right? Um, it works in that sense. It's very, it's very, very, very explicitly generational um, in, in terms of like how these characters think or how they, free, they frame each other and how they frame the world. Um, I have a handful of logical problems. Some of it is usual, like action movie stuff. Like there's a that opening sequence where you see, well, presumably a, presu- a previous, you know, Jean, Gina, John Smith um, getting wiped out. And yeah, she's supposed to be this, this competent badass spy, but she out in the open shooting that oh, kind yeah, of stuff yeah. now. Yeah, kind of dumb. Good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It's more like whatever. It's action movie bullshit. Nobody cares. But but then other things that that uh, I had little, little logical issues with in terms of well, I had one. Just, just getting just getting the bad out of the way and then I'll get into the good. But the but problem is that some of the logic of well, you know, yeah, the lack of the lack of transparency doesn't make a lick of sense to me in the context of this story and how it frames itself. Like really, they have to. Like I thought it was gonna make a big twist and something involving Paul Dano. I thought that was that's where they was going with it in terms of who doing things and who pushing buttons yes, and pulling yeah, things. Yeah. But but they didn't really do that. And like, all right, well, this don't make a lick of sense in terms of that, whatever. Um, a couple other things was I, I thought like again, this is the early stuff and we'll get to later. Uh John Tuturo didn't have any bodyguards. Really? I know. That was kinda weird. Right. Good <laughs> yeah. point. Yes. That was kinda weird to me. <laughs> That's kind of weird to me. But, but again, other than that, they, again, just these little, little small logic logic, logic nitpicks. Um, overall, it's solid stuff. Um, you know, Earn just playing, you know, so I, I call him Earn, right? Donald Glover. Playing Earn yeah. um, as, if he, <laughs> as if he graduated from Princeton, right? That's basically what it is. What, you know, what if Earn didn't drop out from Princeton? That's what it felt like. Um, uh, I, 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 know, I see what you did there. Yeah. I see what you did. Yeah, you see, he, he felt, he felt he, I don't know, he felt too much like Earn. He didn't feel like a different character or unique here um, as well, John, and well, we, they reveal his real name later. Um, but I thought it was surprisingly, it's, it, it works as, as, as Tracy was putting it, OT, you know, yeah, it works in the grounded sense of the conceit, right? Um, these characters just thinking on the fly, um, how it works. I mean, that first episode really caught me um, where it, it played and then they lay a, you lay a guard down with a cake and that's all I'll say, and that's it. And, and then what they do with it after is like, all right, let's see where they're going with this. Um, episode six is kind of brilliant. I thought that was really clever. Like oh, what? Is, oh, what, yes, is, what is, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, well, 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 with Sarah Paulson. Yeah, for Brigham McGill, um, Sarah Paulson, the yeah. therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. To make that work, um, they, 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 what, it, what they make it work is the, the, the workable conceit again. It's very millennial. The, the conceit of anxiety. They make that work because you're not sure what the consequences of your failure will be exactly. Yes. It's there, yeah. lingering, and you're not sure. And again, the lack of transparency feeds into that. But I felt. Because of the nature, of the, the 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 well, the nature of the job, just the level of violence and and all of this skullduggery that have to take place, I felt that could have been that could have made the character should have asked more questions. That's all I was seeing, and the characters are a little too mm-hmm. loose with their behavior. Like you just invite this couple, you went to this couple for dinner, really, and then it was another Smith, and you trust them. I know. little things like that. It's like all they all a little too little casual here, do. Uh, but but it works bon- with with the relationship, it, it, how they bounce off each other. Uh, Maya, is, in particular, is very good in terms of that. Like, you know, she really trying to let on as, as somewhat distant at the beginning, but she had to be the, for lack of a better term, I, I just got to show you, she kind of dog bad, a little bit, right? A little bit, um, you know, in, in her bunks you know, with, with um, Donald Glover. And then, and then Donald Glover, no, I get, I feel, I was, I was a little distracted by him, but I felt he could have been, because I feel like he was playing all over again. Um, but their, their relationship and their bonks was, was solid stuff as it is. Um, yeah, and then the last three episodes in particular I thought was excellent. Like, again, episode six was kind of brilliant. 
uh, episode 7, they bring in Michaela Cole. She was great in this. Yes, um, what they yes. do with this is really, really clever and funny. Um, I hope she, like, if they're doing that season 2 or whatever, she had a comeback. She was great. Um, and yeah. they did Wesa completely like like Disney did with, with Black Panther, that kind of stuff. Oh, oh yeah. Um, but stuff like that, it, it is, yes, she, she, she's great, they, they do a beat with it, um, there's a really great scene with her involved with a couple of teacups, and just that little human back and forth, you know, emo- emotional reality, that's what they try to do with this, and that's why it mostly works well. Uh, but yeah, uh, the big reveal at the end with the, with the older couple, again, yeah, not surprised, I was, I was, okay, that's it. Uh, as I said, the the... The logical problems and, and just that little, little logical problem slightly held it back for me. I felt it, they could have just punched up the script slightly just to have less everything make a little more sense. Because I felt stuff just didn't make sense in terms of like, well, why is it that you're not asking more questions or, or being a little more careful with this? And and there's the human element involved in the spy game and not giving up your life. And it just seemed to be more emotional reasons and just the hard logical reasons of survival. Because, yeah, like people could track your phone. People could do all kind of things. We live in the internet age. Stuff like that. Whatever. That's just me. Um, written. Yeah, I give it like an 8 out of 10. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, the, the logical logical nitpicks held it back, but I, I, will, I really felt that they could have um, done just as a, a slight punch. I would have probably put it up on, on the, in the score higher uh, for me. That's about it. And yeah, yeah, Donald Glover has given us early year material because around this time we got, we got Swarm, right? And that was good too. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. Uh, one more. I, I don't mind getting a season two from this. I, I like how they ended it. How it, it it was left quite vague, so we don't know, you know, what could happen going forward. They 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 they, they had the workable anxiety and, and kept me on my seat for the most part. Right? The main thing with these things, it kept my attention. I was never bored because every episode had an adventure. They had a good sense of passage of time. They made it work for what it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, rating eight out of ten. I dug it. Yeah, um, well, for me, I, I enjoyed it as well, but not as much as I wanted to, unfortunately, though. But that's not to say yeah. the show was, was terrible or anything like that, right? Um, as far as nitpicks, because I have a few as well, I felt like, okay, like, like I know we're not going to go the Hollywood level like what Mr. and Mrs. Smith was going for, right? Even though, you know, this show have, you know, Amazon Prime backing, right? You know, so it's like that. But still, I felt like some of the action scenes could have been better handled. Like I mentioned one in the, well, the opening sequence, which, you know, caught me by surprise too. But yeah, you know, that that little piece of logic kind of doesn't work at all. Um, there's one in particular, though, where we, where, which involves, you know, another Gene and John, right? Yeah. I will not spoil anything. Um, you know, all the, well, the Gene and John we following the cup, the well, the the, the Sazi show, and again put into this mission, and they end up in in a particular place. That's all I'll say. Without spoiling anything, right? and I I, and I like, thought like, I thought that was incredibly quickly. I'm like, yeah, but I thought that was incredibly silly on their part. Like, dude, you listen to these people. Why? Like, yeah, to me, exactly. the only the only people you should be listening to at most is high high, and even that you shouldn't trust. And that's, I, that's right. my problem with it. I felt. They could have make it. It didn't feel official enough in the conceit. And again, in in, in back in back in the two thousand five film, you could have kind of get let that slide, maybe because remember, neither of them knew the other. Remember, every one of them thought they was leading the secret life. They just did the double edged true lies thing. But this now, you would think they would have start talking to each other about it, like you know, stuff like that. Whatever. Right. I mean, I, I know they had to push the story, story forward, but it was it was bothering it was bothering me the entire time. Whatever. Yeah. Um, no, well, 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 you're right, right? So, yeah, you know, without spoiling anything, it, it leads to an action scene that just came and went so quick. I was like, wait, that's... Yeah. And the way how it was shot, I was like, oof, what, what, is, what is that, right? So, to make a long story short, right? 
I, I understand that you do not want, you know, Donald and Maya to be breaking bones when, they, when they're doing this, though. But at times, I, I, I felt like either they could have sell the, the um, oh gosh, the, the physicality of the action scenes a little bit more. Whether it's just, you know, um, normal fighting or, you know, shootouts or whatnot. Or they could have just kind of framed the action scenes a lot better so we could get more of an impact from it now. You know, can understand. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt the talent, but at the same time, you can kind of tell, oh, that's a stunt man, or they cut it that way because you know, right. you know, it's, it's like that. I felt that was like, yeah, but none of the action, none of the action was that bad um, as it was. Because again, it made some realistic sense as to how these characters would operate in terms of like the violence and how guns work and who gets yeah. shot and why. Again, it's the typical you get shot on the side action movie bullshit, normal thing, yeah. but. You know, I felt they still did a good job with it, especially the ending um, and, and how the violence played itself out. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Um, um, also, too, right. So that's just a touch on that that same episode with, with the with the um, with the second couple, right? Um, while I do appreciate, right, and you know, when I saw the name as you know for the first episode, when I saw him as the director, I was like, all right, I'm not surprised. Hero Morai, right? And I thought he was good. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, from, I, he was from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, so I know that. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, they, 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 they're going to veer into Atlanta territory, right? So as I mentioned before, the cake is like, oh, that's what they're going for, where you think right. it's one thing, but then it, come, then it becomes something totally, totally unexpected. Right. And it's weird, now, and it kind of throws you off guard, right? At times, eh, at times it works, but other times, like with that one with the couple, it kind of doesn't. Because, yeah, you have to bring in, you have to think of it logically, like why would you just follow every whim you know mean that this couple is doing like the, the, the couple literally telling our heroes yo go and do this go and do this and they're like yeah right, yeah cool but again it's supposed to feel awkward right and then well when it when it ends right um also you know shout out well i mean tracy shout out to you right um i love all your take just just kind of making your take right you take two pictures of that same moment and you put it up on IG and you compare it to work. <laughs> right. So, right. But you see, like, the payoff so that, the, the, yeah, the payoff is, is the joke. They're like, wow, this is, like, real yeah. awkward shit. They're like, what, what exactly happened? So you just, they all bloody up and they're like, what? You know what I mean? So that's the, that's the joke there. You know, it's that is the absurdity of it all, right? But still, it's like, but, you know, you want to, because you want to ground it, the reality is like, but, yeah, why, why they went in the first place? Well, they could have just seen no, you know. Look at that! Just refuse to. My thing is that my thing is that shut up. My problem is that I don't know if it's because I watch too many spy films and I I just kind of custom to that skull degree. But like, yeah, it was not surprised when they revealed who they were at the end. And it's like, yeah, yeah like, not like, about like moment, nothing about I was surprised, and they should have guessed that. Yeah, the moment the moment the moment they reveal themselves as who they are, it's like now they're on shit. Especially, yeah. Especially, especially John, that John. I was like, yeah, you want yeah. real shit. You want real shit. Yeah. Like, look at you, right? But anyway, yeah. So at times the the absurdity works, but other times it doesn't, right? I think it's because right. the show does a great job in, tra- in terms of grounding things in reality, and that's why I felt you know the show really shines, right? Also, what shines too is 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 the chemistry though between Donald right. and Maya, right? It feels yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So organic though, like they could tell, like um, you know, like you could tell that like, they were having a blast working on this right but one thing right even though yes it is about them playing a married couple they really do feel like friends though they feel like you know like they will quarrel about stuff they will agree with stuff they will disagree on some things right so i do like that the show was smart enough and you know heartfelt enough to yeah really explore what it means to be in a relationship right whether you know you're married or not right so i love how the show dies into that right 
but framing it in the context of we're spies and you know we have this three mistake rule kind of thing you know which, which right. me by surprise too and we're not sure what the real mission is about i like that so it always keeps them on their tools right i like how you know because of their insecurities and flaws now you see how that kind of affects their relationship right and yeah where the, the relationship goes up until the very end felt logical it made a lot of sense um especially with uh with gino what she was dealing with right you know especially with her just wanting to to be a career woman you know she doesn't want to settle down and have kids right even though john now wants to have kids and it's kind of understandable why right so you know i just love that back and forth though um as I say, Ricardo, that that episode seven, that how Magilla Michaela co- uh, co- was great. Yeah, well, sorry, it was great. Um, I would say though, just the moments with her, just the dialogue aspect of it, is Tarantino estrid. What I mean right. is that it's characters, it's archetypes, right? You know, it's a spy who's doing a job, but it's to- he's he or she is talking about something that you wouldn't hear a spy talking about because it's a human being's like. Yeah, this works though, but the context of it is like, oh, you know, what well, well, I was saying with thing, it's I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to talk to you. I want to understand exactly what's going on, right? And this, the, the, the conversation feels grounded, uh, even though it is essentially spy going to kill somebody, right? That's that's what I love about it. It's very Tarantino inspired, right? But I, I see that as a compliment, right? Um, supporting cast is great as well. Like Sarah Paulson was great as a therapist. I do agree with you. Right. Episode six with the therapy was great though. Um, that's just, just the mere fact that the spies doing therapy though and it's a married right. couple and they lie and they're saying, oh, we're software engineers. I like how they just keep saying, you know, they do that job. The moment where where John was saying, oh, the malware, you're like, your program had malware had me going. Right. I like, and I just did like, whoa, like, like Sarah as a therapist, she buying into this. <laughs> But the payoff, though, the, the, the payoff, and w- the payoff I, I felt was totally worth it. But I was like, I, I had to think about, like, why they do that for? But then I thought about, like, oh, right. that's why, that's why. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil what it is, right? Um, the jo- um, John Tutoro was great as well, but I felt like that was very into um, Atlanta territory, you know, very right. and, You know, it's a character who seems normal, but yeah, he weird. Okay, he have this weird. Yeah. That's all I'll say without spoiling it. Right. But it kind of work in, you know, um, the conflict that John and Jane was going through, right? Um, Ron Perlman, I didn't expect to see him there. Parker right, Posey, yeah. He was good, you know, yeah. Paul Dano, though. Like, the moment I saw him there, I was like, all right, you want shit too because it's Paul Dano, you know? You always on shit. Right. Um, but I felt uh-huh. like the character could have, like, especially the final episode where it's revealed who he really was. I felt they could have framed that a lot better, right? And You're right. That before, but it's still not clear. It, the way it is, I exactly. don't think it's particularly clear who he is because, again, it's you want still... to think, again... Go ahead. Uh, sorry, Tracy. No, 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 no. I was just more or less going to say you could never really tell where what layers are that behind thing, his. It was, yeah, it, it was felt it was felt unclear now, as as it was it was because again I thought they were going to do this with him and that's not what we saw. It could just be some guy we don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, because, but he mentioned something. He when he made the phone call, I thought it was he he, he connected to John Turturro's character. I was like, wait, what? Because remember he's a big um real estate guy, right? Um. So I thought that was was it was going on. So I had to check back. I was like, no, that's not apparently not the case. Uh, no, with no, stuff no. like that, I don't go back and. Yeah, it, it, it was somebody else without spoiling anything. It was right, else. right, right, right. Um, yeah. and that's just to, to close things off, right? Um, I'm actually a little iffy about the final sequence. Like, like I right. get what it was setting up with it, right? But I just felt like it was a little too ambiguous, right? Uh, which is why I am, like you guys, I'm hoping that we get a second season because, yeah, they really need to clear that up, right? But 
if somehow for some weird reason this show does not get a second season boy then that kind of frames the situation that john and gina in in a much darker light uh, dark, much darker perspective right. boy because yeah i mean the situation that they're in right now is very insidious right but how it ends there's like wow boy like there's really no hope right and that had me kind of going back to the beginning of the show now and like, you're telling me so this is the fate of john and jane's like there's there's really no hope for them they're like wow right pretty much yeah you know but then you know logical coming in and be like well why they do this whole marriage stuff in the first place why they can just fake you know being a couple why they had to be legally married for and blah 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 right so you know logic holes and all that kind of stuff right so that's why i do hope that you know we do get a second season and they explain things right but in my mind i tell myself it could be this is the end or it could be oh you know um actually no and we'll see what happens afterwards right but i will not be surprised if that is actually the end but that'll be a very 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 dark end right but whatever um but yeah as a whole though i i really enjoy this man um it's not perfect but it it, it works right um and i could also tell that you know that even though the show has action it's not action heavy right I could tell like the the, the the emphasis is really put more on the relationship aspect of it, right? So see it more as a comedy drama than an action comedy. That's the best way I could tell. Yeah, it works it works more comparable to something like a, like Barry, that kind of weird anti dramedy kind of approach to, to how they're telling it. It, it works yeah. in that sense, for the most part. It, it, it does, right? And yeah, there's this admittedly a romantic vibe to it, right? You know, because again with the chemistry that Donald and Maya just just exude, right? You know, you really feel, you know, that that bond that they have. Right, and you also feel when they have their downs, when they quarrel. You know what I mean? Like it feels very real. You know what I mean? It feels very um, logical. You know the stuff that they're arguing about or whatnot, right? Um, so I wouldn't say it's like an anti-Valentine's show or whatnot. I would say it's like a mixture of both, right? You know, if you do plan on watching it on Valentine's Day, right? If you're just not into the season, you could still watch it and enjoy it, right? But if you're into the season, you'll enjoy it and be like, yeah, this is this is exactly how marriage is. Or like if you plan on getting married. Watch it on see other yeah, people paying like, No, I was saying watch it and see somebody else paying. Whether you're 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 right. you know, you're into Valentine's or not, watch somebody else paying. It's yeah, always fun. Yeah, yeah. What, what what somebody else go through, you know, drama and and then ask yourself, Yeah, am I am I ready for this? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cause like me, I was watching this like, Am I really ready for marriage? But like I I I, it's not just the, the you know the the, the 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 partner's insecurities, but I had to deal with my own too. And then she could call me out on the boy like, I know you know, but you know at the same time I could kind of relate to John with the stuff that he wants, right? But I could understand why Jane feels the way she feels too, right? But I like you know it's just they just beautifully flawed, and I like how they just kind of come together in the show, right? So rated wise for me, um, like the decent four to five man. I you know it's 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 worth checking out, um. And yeah, I mean, well, Donald really came through with another solid show as well. Um, and just the, the chemistry he have with, with Maya is just it's just it's just magnetic in my opinion, right? They they are the ones who really sell the show though, and it absolutely works, right? But then on top of all that, do we really have some smart, very intellectual writing as well, and some solid direction as well, too, right? And I should mention too, the score by um David Fleming is great as well. Um how could be, how best describe it? It's kind of doing the sort of romanticized spy music like what you would hear like in a 60s Bond film but in a more contemporary kind of way but it's also trying to do the kind that is exactly of, it yeah, it's right. trying to do the kind of laid back downbeat kind yeah that, that, that uh, Avengers kind of, kind of feels it or the Avengers yeah, the Avengers the Avengers 
right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, right. Yes, British, yeah. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about as a British. Yeah, MRP, I assume MRP we're talking London. about. Yeah, the British yeah. show, and, and then there was the movie that, that people hate. Yeah, the uh, terrible movie. But whatever, yeah. whatever, right? But yeah, it has, mm-hmm. has kind of vibes it, right? You know? Um, but yeah, I would say it is it is certainly worth checking out. Um, again, you know, for Valentine's, you know, binge it. It's about, I don't know, five, six hours, binge it, and then right. go with your partner if you're by yourself and do whatever afterwards, right? But yeah, it's, it's still worth checking out. But even if you don't plan on watching on Valentine's, it's still worth checking out, man. Um, I can actually see this maybe showing up in my best of by years and or maybe as an honorable mention. But yeah, for sure, this is one that I'm going to remember by, by years and man. So yeah, definitely recommend checking out Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The series, not the movie. All right, so Ricardo saw a couple of things. Um, so a couple of things that the, the rest of us have not seen. Uh, so that would be the, the, the spy action comedy Argyle, which um, I wanted to see uh, because of the director uh, slash writer right. Matthew Vaughn, right? You know, Me I like too. When, yeah, I I kind of like when he does these subversive takes on you know the spy genre. Right? So like like I really enjoy Kingsman, the first one, but right. the argument with the second one, which I did see in theaters, um, it was the Roger Moore problem where it's like right. with a real good movie and then you follow up not so good, you know. So it, it's like that. I, I felt like that. Um, but I wanted to see because I, I like when he writes and directs shit. Like he, he did. I, I don't remember seeing the Kingsman prequel though. Did that ever come out? It came out, right? Uh, or the Kingsman. Um, I right. think it's because of COVID that kept okay. the, yeah, the, the release. They kept put, um, being Pushner. So I think it okay. eventually came out in theaters. It, it, but by the time you were like, well, we home though. So. Yeah, and they, and they tease and tease Hitler at the end. Like some of like a thing. I, think, I saw that came out. Well, I never saw it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never saw it. Was, it, was, it was Rasputin. Not. Yeah, it was, it was Rasputin. Oh, Rasputin! Oh, oh they didn't yeah. tease, didn't tease Hitler as a as a villain at the I, end. And there was a, there was another. They, they talk about the war. No, no, Rasputin was the villain, but they they they, they tease. It's not yeah. a big like tease, and they tease him like he's Thanos or something like that. That bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like you talk, Argyle, Argyle, yeah, fuck yeah, yourself. Yeah, talk about uh, talk about Argyle sucks now. So yes, let's go. Yeah, right. So yeah, I I was very excited for this because of the premise too. I was like, oh, there's a real cool idea of. You know, it's a spy, but it's a spy book. But she's so the the, the spy book so close to the real spy stuff that real spies kind of go after her because they're wondering how is she getting so close to the the actual truth about it. And talk about a great idea with a terrible execution, absolutely atrocious execution. <sighs> so yeah, how to describe what's going on here, boy? Uh, right. So basically, it's um your girl, what's your name, boy? Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, she's yeah, author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, yeah, she my girl. She my girl. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She, she do she thing. She, she directs side wall. She have a big boom. See, she cool, right? Yeah. And yeah. so she, she write this book called uh, Girl and this super popular spy genre book. She's like a you know a, a you know basically like a genre click genre care type author, you know. And the whole point is that she keep you know her the writing of the book it you know shockingly coincides with the real life spy spy stuff, and they find it too strange that this person could do this like how is this possible how is this possible that they could line up like more or less one-to-one um sam rockwell is the, like the main spy guy who's who's b who's like basically the argyle argyle supposedly based, based on and then so on and so forth and they keep going on and then they're going okay you know normal storytelling and then they do the big twist the big twist i'll put that in quotes because again, on paper, I can imagine a better scriptwriter making a working working concept of this. But yeah, this is pretty much Kingsman, but worse in almost every fucking way. Like it okay, worse so in almost so every way. Like if you like Kingsman, Kingsman Part Two, then 
not well. I I I go straight up saying I think it was at Kingsman two because at least Kingsman two was doing something kind of interesting. This was just Kingsman. Similar story, similar idea, even similar thing. Um, yeah, Sam Jackson shows up, except he's not a villain this time. Um, it's do we do you guys want to spoil? What was the spoiler? Oh yeah, all right. Whatever. Spoilers. Fuck you. Yeah. You know, Argyle. Fuck yourself. Spoilers. So yeah, Argyle. She's really Argyle. That is her name. Why it's called Argyle? It's because it's her name, and she is actually a secret CIA secret agent of some sort. And they brainwash she into writing the book, and I read the book so accurate. That is it. And she's like do, a super do, agent do too. Julia Hadmer at brainwashed. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. And they, and they could brainwash her, but they could brainwash her to target other people. That is a whole thing. It is so, so stupid. So like a doll, like 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 a dollhouse. Is that basically it? Well, you know, I was thinking of that, and that's why it was so frustrated because this was written better with dollhouse. Got dollhouse about years ago, and it's dollhouse all over again. I was like, yeah, that's a, yeah. Listen, Tracy, thank you for bringing that up. It is pretty much dollhouse also as a, as again it's it's like you're not sure you are but you could really be this and it, yeah, yeah it's yeah and it's this was oh. terrible holy shit dude like I cannot believe and you know what when we get frustrated so you see people you uh what do you call them Ashton Ashton you worried about musicals there's another more horrifying and disturbing trend in Hollywood which is this whole pie but rom com thing and we get a good version of that with with Mr and Mrs Smith. But this is like the bad version of that. How many of these spyish but rom-com kind of movies going on? Chris Evans was in one with Anna de Amas the other day, and that was bullshit. Oh, and then, ghosted, ghosted. Yeah, I, I heard. Yeah, and then uh, uh, we had uh, another I, one I with. Um, so Tracy, but yeah, I heard it was bad. And then it had another one with Rocking It and wishing him Wonder Woman, and that was bullshit too. Oh and yeah, really all of them the same it. fucking pitch. Yeah. Yeah, all of them the same pitch, which is, well, we really this, but we'll we you know we're unusually attractive, but we also spies and we're romance. And they have they just do the same lame shit from Kingsman, but just way lamer. Which is it have a big shootout okay. and they, they it highly stylized action, but none of it interesting or engaging in any way. And I cannot believe I waste money to watch this garbage thread. Holy shit. Like I feel I walk I, I, I travel too far. To watch this, and you know, I just had to travel like two blocks or whatever wow. to watch this. It was so way, bad. You know, you know, as, as we as we stick it with with spoilers, right? I, I hear that um, Henry Cavill wasn't in the show that much. I, I right. I so <laughs> right, what to do with that? That was the last fuck you. That is the part of this. I just put this dog. Like I was tolerating it. It was going to get a four out of ten, and then they do something with him at the end. I like fuck you, movie. Go away. <laughs> Enough. Yeah, this this guy I think a three out of ten, maybe a two out wow. of ten. This was so stupid, John. Holy shit! I cannot believe somebody said that again. Ideas over execution because again, if they, I can imagine a version of this script that if it punch up, it gonna be funny and they time the joke better and they make it work. And we got that with the Kingsman. And well, Tracy brought up Dollhouse. Like we got that. It it have a version of this that could work, but they, but and it set itself up up until the big reveal reasonably well and then the, re- the reveal happened it's like all right well this is just a colossal waste of my goddamn time like seriously i was hoping it was going to do something better after that because but if i know it it was going to end as it was knowing from at the point of the twist i'd leave the movie i'd just straight up walk out walk out go down five floors and get a beer seriously fuck this movie like this movie is terrible not as bad as not as bad as X, um expandables 4 but almost as bad and yeah, mm. it was just a colossal waste of my time because in the end of the day, it does really feel like yeah, what was the point of this? Utterly pointless it, in terms of it. Yeah, go ahead, Tracy. No, I was just going to ask you: is is it bad, bad, or is it guilty pleasure bad? No, 
it, it, it will for, for a lot of people for, so for a lot of people bad. and you might fall into the guilty pleasure bad camp because there's a lot of camp in this there's yeah, a lot of camp there's especially especially when Vizalis Howard learned she she's special skills and she started to do this like it have a whole part involving skating on a, on a big action sequence involving skating and it looking like she's skating on ice, but it's supposed to be oil, and I like you know, but oil don't work like that. Skating on it, whatever. Uh, because she on ice skates, uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> it, it real stupid, but whatever. Uh, it's a big dumb, yes. you know, campy action sequence. A bunch of them, like about three or four, two or three of them, like in a row. And it's like, yeah, like guys, you had to know how to structure this shit better. Incredible disappointment, Matthew Vaughn, out of all people, because I was expecting something better from him. But yeah, this, this movie was terrible, right? Absolute nonsense. You know, rubbish movie. Katrina Hara was in this, and she was like wasted. Uh, uh what's your name? Dua Lipa was in this for some reason. Like, why are you in this? Yeah, Ariana DeBose. Why are you in this? You're wasting your talent. What? Stop wasting your time. However, oh, no. I hope you get. No. Listen, I hope you get a bag. I hope you get a bag. Yeah, Sophia Batella was in this, by the way. Like again, I oh, hope all they get a bag. That Sophia too. Yeah. All right. Listen, I hope I hope they get a bag. If they get a bag, fine. Whatever. You get a bag, you do your thing, you act your movie, you do your job. But yeah, this is a colossal waste of my time, John. Holy shit. Like, I can't believe... It, it, it just doesn't come together so well. It's a, it's a utterly botched, like, reveal and how the twist should be come together. And then the, the big reveals and the coming downs at the ending was just, like, a waste of my time, John. Like, yeah. Horrible, like, okay idea. Solid enough idea, in my opinion. Absolutely atrocious execution. Three out of ten. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Wow, so so oh. now we have we have a worst the year contender right here, but worst the year contender, of course, definitely on the list area. I don't put a shit down on my phone, Jord. <laughs> I, I love I love this review the most. Yes, this best, <laughs> yes, this is the best review for the whole day. It was amazing. Yes, love the, it. The, the, the most venom, like rah, fuck, I game gonna waste my goddamn time. The waste the goddamn time, shit, and, and even worse, even shit. worse, even worse. I went in completely sober, you know. <laughs> not a stag in my body, nothing. So like that was like, wow, boy, my my analysis on top point. Just watching this nonsense play out, yeah. And like I was, I just disappointed Matthew Vaughn out of all people. Like you put this together, you like do you have a solid track record? Most all things considered, and for you to give me this bullshit, come on, big man like you, nah, man, you're too big for this. Yeah, man. Anyway, yeah, shame, shame on Matt, shame on you, Matt, shame on you, Matt. Right, coming from me. So right? yeah, right. So moving, moving on from. One of the worst, or what I think might be one of the best. Um, Orion and the Orion and the Dark. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good. Um, okay. so what this does? Nice. So what this is, uh, you have you have um this kid called Orion. He very neurotic, you know, afraid of everything. You know, typical. He you know big big boy like he afraid of the dark. You know, thing that you shouldn't be afraid of. And basically, what happens is that eventually he gets into. He afraid of the dark, he most power goes, and then he actually meets a physical manifestation of the dark. And the idea is that the dark have to prove to him that, well, being the dark is not so bad, and it's supposed to teach that lesson of the dark. But when they get into the like end of the first act, about like him being afraid of everything and his bullies and bees and just being a general neurosis, it's like it's a kind of it, it going with that. They they do a kind of like kind of in my opinion, well, it's Charlie Kaufman, so I'm not surprised, but we get some meta. Um, nice. we get a little bit of Princess Bride something. You realize, huh. uh, you know, it's somebody telling the story. I'm like, what? And you find out it's him as an adult telling the story to his daughter. And then they frame it as the connection of them telling this story and the connection of child to son. Well, ch- well sorry, uh, sorry, uh, ch- from father to daughter. Like, how they do that. And it's a generational thing. And then the entire conceit is just, well... Him telling the story and then building the legend and building the logical rules. But what they do is they justify 
how the rules is as he kind of haphazard because it's, it's him telling and making up the story on the flight for his daughter but the daughter old enough to understand you know it's still a story and the reason why we afraid of the dark is because of this evolutionary and biological reason that she's she like way prodigious and and you know for her age and then she well i, I won't tell you what what she does later but it's jacob chambray as the younger child colin hanks as the older version of himself and then they get um all of the other people playing like that well not that it's the dark but it's all the stuff that you should be afraid of in the dark so unexplained noises and then it have a guy who's like one person's put you to sleep but the other person's wake you up to keep you who's an insomniac and then you have the dream woman who's played by um angela bassett she's pretty good and it's everything about nighttime and then you know darkened relationship with with um with with the lights and you know the light just pass around and turn around turn up turn on everything but he just make everything dark and you know the balance between light and dark and the, the need for both and is why it works is because everything in the context of this meta story you know again charlie kaufman i, I put him as one of the king as a meta you know it's him telling the story to the girl and then how he didn't know how to finish his story with the girl and then they do something with that and you know how you need so it didn't just just straight do a straightforward kind of pixar thing where it's just a story and it's just a metaphor and you just have to get the metaphor no they put it in terms of that that conceit and then there's a final reveal involving the story that again if it were to just treat it at face value don't make a lick of sense because like hey, where'd i come from where this come from well no in the context of a generational connection it make perfect sense as to why this would be told this way and i thought this was kind of brilliant the, the way how it's told and it's framed and it has had me on my seat because you're into the story as it is on face value and you, you, you want to enjoy it for its its own conceit as it is but then they they, they layer it on to the the, the meta aspect and it's really brilliant in that way. And yeah, uh, it's Kaufman for kids because the central message and ideas are very, you know, heavy ideas. It's existentialism and why I should be afraid and why I shouldn't be afraid and whatnot. And they make it work for, for, for what it is. But I I thought this was really, 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 really clever. And, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just great voice acting. Everybody bounced off each other quite well. Um, especially, well, the guy who plays that, I uh, forget the actor, but but Jacob Tremblay and I think Paul Walters, that... Sorry, as in death, dark, dark. He's the manifestation of darkness. But it, it also there's something with death that comes comes in the storyline later, and it's heavy stuff. It's heavy, heavy stuff. But Charlie Kaufman like balances really well. Um, the, the director, I forget. I don't know who this guy. I don't know if him from anything else. But um, apparently his name is um Sean Charmatz. Uh, he's he's very good. He he cuts together and puts together everything well, reasonably well in terms of getting the voice work and how that that animation works together. And it really feels like. Like in the vein of a Pixar movie, where a Pixar movie does the stuff well for kids, but it, it also does stuff that clearly an adult can appreciate and and make it work in terms of like the more the existential aspect of it or the more adult themes of, of, of it, and they make it work. And yeah, I did not expect to enjoy this as much as I I did. Yeah, so far it probably had to get like a, almost like a perfect score. I can't think of any flaws off the top of my head. It was nice. a little slow parts. So nice. That's the only thing I might hold it back. So yeah, like. I want to say like a 10 out of 10, but it's probably like a 9.5 because I could final nitpickies here or there. But the nitpickies are addressed in the narrative. So that's why I currently say it's a nitpicky because it's ex- explained why it is because of the meta aspect. And it's not a cheap, cheap out meta, right? It, it, the meta aspect of it has strong emotional heart. And when, it, when you see like a certain character at the end, it's straight up Charlie Kaufman. Like it's straight up, all right, it's Charlie Kaufman as a kid and he doing his own, his own narrative or whatever it is. It feels like that. And I, yeah, I, I, I kind of love this. I strongly 
strongly recommend this Ryan the Dark. Nice. I for me personally, it really really worked. I think a lot of people are gonna love it. It was not too trippy. You could you could follow it. Um, and I was thinking, it had me thinking, why is that all of this in this? And you know the typical like you know my critic reaction stuff now. What the movie done? Why are you putting all this extra bullshit in? And they explain that. And then when it comes down to the end, it's like, all right, that all of that is explained and and going forward in terms of like where the arc going to go and why and the contextual analysis of it. And yeah, I, I thought this was kind of brilliant. If, if you do the meta stuff right, you know, you know, the other person who does the meta stuff right really well is like Dan Harmon. It's up there. Like, seriously, this is up there with like Rick and Morty story train episode. That shit, no. Oh, wow. That okay. level of okay. like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that level of cleverness. As I said, I put, I put, there, there are two or three guys I put on the, I, I put them on the Monk Rushmore of good meta material. And Charlie Kaufman is one of them. Yeah. Uh, this was, this was, I thought was really well done because, because children can still follow it and enjoy it. It's not like it's above anybody's head or you're going to blow over some kid's head and they, their eyes going to roll back in the back of the head. Nothing like that. It's really, really solid stuff. Um, I I thoroughly love this. It it really works in terms of conceit. It's it's reasonably funny, and I I, I suppose they can they can punch up the humor a little bit. But I, I think I think I think a hundred percent of this works. Given when you see all was all was said and done coming down to the ending, it really had me going, and I I thoroughly love this. Yeah, I gotta go for it. Yeah, ten out of fucking ten. I gotta see it. Uh, because it was pretty damn good. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I had a lot of fun with this. And it was a total palate cleanser coming home from Argyle. So oh, that was wow, a big factor. Right. Argyle was just kind of pissed me off. It kind of pissed me off oh, a little boy. bit. It's like, I can't believe Matthew Vaughn gave me that bullshit. I went home, you know, you know, I had a little bit of stock in the fridge, take a two of that, and then I watch, I watch, um, I watch this, and I thoroughly love this. I let it on this. I expect it to be good. And I, I end up enjoying it a lot more than I expected, right? Not because of the beers, right? It's because it was a fucking awesome movie. I strongly recommend it. Oh. 10 out of 10. I'm saying it. Lovely, this guy probably going to be on my best of on my, on the year because I I try to think of what the flaws are and I, I don't think it of it. Like for me, at least so far, I'll probably give it a rewatch and try try to nitpick it. But like all the nitpicky things was there deliberately because of the framing device, right? That's what it is. All I'll say is Princess Bride. If you know what Princess Bride framing device was, it's that, mm. and they make it work. Ten out of ten. I loved it. Wow, wow. I, I yeah. am I am like shocked by this review, man. So yes, definitely I'm gonna check it out. It's on Netflix, I have no excuse. Um and yeah, I, I, I have a feeling I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna love it just as much as you do, buddy. So yeah, thank you so much for the review, thanks for your recommendation, and also thank you for warning me about how bad Argyle was because Yeah, yeah, skip that yeah, bullshit. Don't go and see it. Yeah, do not go and see it. I don't want it, I don't want you to go and see it because I spoil it for you. Like you don't need to go and see it for the twist. The twist is shit. No, I, I, I will wait till it come out digitally so I could see for myself. But thank you. Yeah, rubbish. It enough that I don't have to spend cash to watch it. Right? Yeah. But, but you know, or um, you know, or uh, what this way, Orion and the and the and the and Candy Dark. Dark. Yeah, yeah. Orion and the yeah, Dark. Great. For sure, definitely gonna check it out, man. So thank. Yeah, you watch that shit. No, go watch it. Stop uh, the podcast. Uh, uh, go watch it. But but but, but <laughs> I don't talk about something else. So but... yeah, yeah, okay. Let's like, talk about something else. Because it's another good movie. Lego. Yeah, yes, it is. All right, right. Yeah. And last but not least. Ten years later, is everything still awesome? <laughs> we'll find out with our retrospective review, or I should say retrospect review, on the Lego movie, right? We did not, this is actually the first time in this podcast's history that um, I'll be talk that we'll be talking about this movie, right? Um, right. Because right. we did talk about um, the, the Lego Batman movie, which came right. right after it, you know, and that was one of the first films that we that we covered. You know, I, I saw this with you, Tritz, you know. 
Yes, yes, yes. Actually, mm-hmm. um, yeah. well, well, I know we saw the first one together, but we saw the second one together. We saw um. No, not 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 Lego Batman. No, um, not the second one. No. Okay, right, right. But yeah, the first one we saw together. Right, I remember that. Yeah. Right. But yeah, Lego Batman. I saw in a nutshell. Um, it was just hilarity on top of hilarity on top of yeah, hilarity. Yeah, great. But it was a little too much though, like to the point that. Like, like I don't know. Like, it's it's kind of a it's kind of to its detriment, though. Like, it was just a lot of jokes just being thrown at my boy. Like, to the right. point that I felt like it sort of sidestepped story for side gags and you know references right. and all that kind of stuff. Right? Not saying that the story was terrible, but I felt like it could have been better. It could have been punched up more if it just sort of focused on it instead of just throwing all these gags at me. Right? But I would like shit had me crack it up. Right? Just a lot. Right? Um, Lego Movie Two, the second part. Really wanted to enjoy it, but I felt they sort of dropped the ball. The story was not as smart as the last one. Um, but but I knew I, I saw what they were going forward it though. But it's just unfortunately, it's just the direction it took. Um, just didn't work for me at all. And you know, it just yeah. didn't have the like the meta humor was still there, like it was still in your face, right? Um, but you know, it just it just didn't hit the landing as as much as the first one did, right? So unfortunately, that was that. Um, and I still have not seen the Lego Ninjago movie, just mainly because I Ninjago movie, sorry, just because because I'm not familiar with you know Ninjago at all. I don't even know much about it, right? So, so is that. But when it comes to you know the actual um, Lego movie itself, right, which came out in 2014, um, I, I remember kind of going into this not knowing what to expect at all, right? You know, it was the Lego movie, okay. But, you know, at the time, you know, this was around the time where, you know, properties were getting the movies out of the blue. So, like, case in point, the Simpsons movie came out, like, years before. So, it's like, all right, well, is this going to be some kind of cash grab or something? And then, you know, you see it and it's like, wow, like, it's exactly what you would expect it to be. But just the humor was just fast. It was in your face. It was frenetic. But there was a lot of, um, you know, it was it was very clever as well, too, right? And you have to thank, you know, the the well, the writers and directors of it. That would be Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, right? Um, yeah. work, I'm not totally familiar with, right? So, like, um, I I still I, I I would admit I've never seen Clone High, never saw it. I know I should get into it, but I just never saw it, right? I know it's a, it's a big series, but I just never saw it. Um, but I did see Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Um, even right. though I saw that once, but I remember laughing my ass off of it. And what really make it work, though, is that it take this really absurdist premise, though, and somehow made it work, though. Like, it entertained the hell out of me. I cared about the characters and whatnot. And it just entertained me from start to end. But, like, I didn't know something about some scientists and food and meatballs could entertain me that much, right? Um, there was 21 Jump Street, which I saw. Right. I don't remember much about it, but... You know, it worked, right? You know, it's something that I don't think anybody knew, expected would have worked anyway, but somehow it does. But it's because, you know, the whole meta aspect and winking on the camera, like, yes, we know it's not like the original series, but that's a joke. But they somehow make it work, though. Um, but I, I, I did not see 22 Jump Street, just to, for two reasons. Mainly because I heard it wasn't as good as the first one, and I thought that 21 Jump Street just kind of did it, like, it kind of just made the point. So, like, why are we doing a sequel? Yeah, no, 22 Jump Street, I, I don't think that's as good as the first one, but it have a couple of moments in it that are just so good. Like, I, I, listen, the, the part with the, the part with the lighting in the, in, the police, in the police station, you'll know it when you see it. That is one of the funniest beats by far that Channing Tatum does. It's great. And then they, they did this, like, the ending, where they was going to tease a bunch of, like, future movies. I wish they actually did those, but, like, that gag in itself was pretty good. I don't mm-hmm. know, 22 Jump Street did its thing. It, right. it wasn't so bad. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so overall, just just to round things up, um, I I just like the idea that there are guys, there are directors and writers, right? You know, because they are screenwriters, you know, who just, you know, just just want to to take material and sort of explore it and flip it on its heels and you know just try new things with it, right? So you know, it kind of makes sense that they end up being involved in you know the Spider Man into the Spider Verse, um, you know, film, right? And you, you see how big of a deal that was in terms of, yeah, just, just exploring the character of Spider-Man and then also right. exploring the superhero genre as well too, right? So for me personally, that's the type of, uh, of, of writing I want to get into where you take a genre and you just explore it in like different ways now. And well, the case of these two guys, they'll be af- not, not being afraid to be weird, not being afraid to be ridiculous and silly, right? And yeah, for the most part, that is how, you know, that is the cell. Uh, that's why the Lego movie worked for me, right? You know, it was silly. It is incredibly ridiculous, right? But somehow it still works though because it it gives you exactly what the title is. It, it lives up to exactly what the premise is and all that kind of stuff. But it does all these little clever things in between though. But they, they, again, they're just not afraid to just throw some real goofy, childish, ridiculous shit, right? And, you know, I'll, I'll talk about whether those, those, those jokes work or not, right? But yeah, for me personally, I really enjoyed Lego Movie to the point that I ended up buying it on Blu-ray that was one of my first, you know, buys when it came to home media. And yeah, I, I'm not ashamed to, to own that. Um, I never got around to buying Lego Movie 2 because I was kind of let down by it. But, you know, in retrospect, I feel like if, you know, as I said with my review of that, if it came in a combo pack with the first movie, yeah, well, I usually buy that, right? But I bought the first one first, so uh, I, I kind of don't really need to, to buy the second one, right? That's that's just me, right? But yeah, I mean, for what it was, I mean, the Lego Movie was great though. But, you know, we'll talk about in this review here, if it still holds up, we, we really talk about that, right? Uh, but before we get to that, right, um, Ashton, your quick thoughts on the Lego movie franchise. Like, you know, has this worked for you or not? Yo, I think that the Lego movie was one of the most refreshing things to happen in a while for animation based off of the comedy, right? And um, let's be honest, Batman from the Lego movie is the most amount of fun you could possibly have just randomly watching anything, right? Boy, Will Arnett Will killed Arnett. that. Perfect, perfect casting, you know? Because you know, he was always know the free, free kind of douchey, assholey voice he have from um from since Arrested Development days, right? So just to right. yeah. that up and make him as Batman, like, you know, I'm brooding, I'm dark and brooding. Perfect, perfect. I just think that Lego movie was fun for adults and kids. It's one of those kind of movies, you know. It touches everybody. Everybody can enjoy it. Same speed. I mean, obviously, you might enjoy the jokes on a different level, but still, really good movie. Um, best one of the best songs ever. You oh, understand? Um, everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You understand? Um, and that's that. And that's uh, that movie. I started saying teamwork makes a dream work because that was a phrase in the movie, right? I, I think it was a variation of that. I think it's a variation of that, yeah. Oh my god, I know I used to say that shit all the time and I used to just be catching Jones and just be just be talking that shit in us all the time now. And um yeah, I mean Lego movie was was great. I remember it being very much fun. Um this Chris Pratt Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris I think Pratt. he's funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? And honestly, and, and, that Lego... As I mentioned, Chris Pratt, right? This came out in the same year as Guardians of the Galaxy Dread. Like, right after yeah, this he movie was dropped, happening. Guardians dropped, though. So, like, yeah, 2014 was a big year for, for, for Mr. Pratt, right? You know, all the time, yeah. he was just that goofy, 
guy from Parks and Recreation. Now this man blowing up with like two movies in a year. You know? Like, look at that. Funny you say that because I was going to say his Lego character struck me as his as the character from Parks and Rec as well. No, it was yeah. goofy like that. Goofy. Yeah. You know, but still, uh, Lego movie, man. Who don't like Lego? You know, if you don't like Lego, you don't like your imagination. Well, well, I'll tell you again. You know what I mean? And, and, and as you see that, yeah. so sorry to cut it there, right? Um, I imagine like a majority of people who saw that film, ourselves included, grew up on Lego. Like, yeah, like I used to get that shit for Christmas. I used to get like cheap Chinese knockoffs, but I didn't, it didn't matter. But yeah, I had a few Lego sets as well. Billion yeah, blocks, be, mega blocks. Yeah, billion blocks. Any kind of blocks. It was cool, man. You know, billion um, planes and whatnot, you know. It, it, you know, it, and I love how this film touched on that. Just the, the joy of creation, you know, with those Lego blocks, right? But yeah. and, and trust me, yo, trust me, the, the Lego culture is deep, bro. Deep, 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 deep. They have their own that little I subculture going on. Yeah, that, that yeah. I, I honestly did not know. I didn't know it, it was it was that deep. Yeah, man, yo, being a master builder is an actual real job. It's not no joke thing. It's real things to get you paid. But yeah, uh, Lego movie. Back yeah. to Lego movie. But, but, I love um, Lego movie. But yeah, but but uh, just just quickly before we get to um, Tracy and then to, to to Ricardo and then we'll just run through the film itself. Um, any thoughts on the on the sequels or you know spinoffs like Lego Batman movie, Ninjago? Or- I enjoyed Lego Batman. I enjoyed I think Lego two, Lego movie two. Uh-huh. that was. They had a, did they have a part two? For they, did, that? they did, yeah. It's just not that right. memorable. That's the problem, <laughs> right? And um, yeah, just the Batman stuff, you know, and, and that's a direct result of the Lego movie that I watched. The Batman Lego stuff, yeah, that was it for me. But I, but I actually like the Batman, uh, the Justice League stuff. But too much of it does get a little annoying. But the Lego movie kind of broke that up for me, to be honest. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. Uh, Tracy, yeah, um, just just quick thoughts on, yeah, well, first time seeing the Lego movie and, you know, thoughts on the, the other films in the franchise. Well, I, I can't remember the exact, like, where I was when I saw it. I don't think I saw it in theaters. But I do remember sitting down and watching it on one of the movie channels on DirecTV or something like that. And it was brilliant. It felt brilliant. Um, it felt like it's one of those things that for me was akin to, and I and I make this very weird connection, and I'll tell you why. When Lilo and Stitch was when Lilo and Stitch first came out, uh, that was not something that I particularly cared that I really wanted to watch. Um, and then after like about a, a year or something, I sat down and watched Lilo and Stitch, and I was like, why did I wait so long? This is great. So flipping through the channels and seeing Lego Movie, because again, I didn't see it in cinemas, it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But for me, the greatest joke of Lego Movie is, I, you know, I remember being in one of our old offices, and anytime something goes wrong, anytime a client does something absolutely daft, Everybody would just be like, everything is awesome. You know, there was this kind of uh, weird kind of way to try and deal with the way how the clients was behaving stupidly. So I will forever be grateful to Lego Movie for everything is awesome. For me, though, like, I, you know, there was just like a couple random notes that I had scribbled down here. You know, Lego Movie for me was like just like little clips and things that I remember or that I would have gone and seen. It's like it's like Barbie before Barbie. It's the... Free guy yeah. before free guy. 
you know right, free guy yes yes um, free guy does all love for this movie too you're right mm. yeah unlike some of the um uh like marvel and that kind of uh, these kind of houses you know lego movie opened the door to both a lot more good stuff and also a lot more bad stuff and i'm looking at pixels particularly because like oh, that, was that was 2014 and then pixels was 2015 no, but, well, you but, know, but, but dude, you, you you thought Pixels was worst was bad, dude. Dog, the emoji movie, like yeah, the that was movie nah, is like the, 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 the anti <laughs> sorry, the the anti of the Lego Movie, dude. Like blatantly, like wh- what was that, dude? That was so bad, boy. I didn't even bother. I, and the idea of even getting Sir Patrick Stewart to play poop, I, uh, yeah, I didn't need it. I but that was that. Why? Why did do that? Oh, these are things that somehow stay in the back, like like a, a, a fool in the back of my brain. But all of this for me is like, okay, open the door in terms of what could or what should and should not necessarily be done coming after Lego Movie. So we have that to thank for it, as well as the floodgates of the of the Pratism, because I, you know, like most people. I mean, he is Parks and Rec. And then, of course, you know, you start seeing set pictures and teaser teasers about this movie, about Guardians of the Galaxy. We don't know what it is, but okay. Um, I should mention, and too, then, just um, a year after that was Jurassic World, Dread. So again, and then, okay, was right? the rise, Dread. Like, so, just so you know. The, yeah. the practification, the literal practification of this dude, to the point now where it's like, uh, what's this happening? Uh, some new animated things, I'm sure they're going to call Chris Pratt. Yeah. Uh, like, dude, right but, now he's going to be playing Garfield. Dread. Nobody asks for a Garfield movie, yeah? He's sure. playing Garfield. I, <laughs> I mean... He is... Uh, I, I, I don't even know. But I, in terms of, of, of Lego itself, Lego itself, I felt, was defining. I mean, little things like the father-son relationship. And even for me, the idea of Lord Business and, and oh God, what's his name? Uh, Morgan Freeman's character, Vitruvius. Uh, that yeah, that, yeah. that kind of dude. It was very Vader, Star Wars, Obi-Wan. Uh, you know, there's little things like that that I, I really appreciate Lego for. I have not seen Ninjago either. Um, just for the just for the sake of uh, it's something on my radar and I have never gotten to it. There's so much stuff that I haven't gotten to. Um, Lego Batman is is brilliant and of course it gives us that whole song "Darkness No Parents." Yes, uh, which is also something random we sing inside the ad agencies. It, it, it was a time. It was a time, and I think that sums it up for me. Lego Movie was was a time, but I feel like if I sat down and like ingested today i would still have a great deal of fun and i guess you have nothing to say on the sequel right the second part um i did you know i saw it i saw the well no let me rephrase that i saw the trailers for it it looked like it could be fun i laughed at some of the elizabeth banks jokes that i saw but i never sat down to the second part either that's that's two years ninjago and the second part all right. Well, I will say though, if you, if you get a chance, check out catchy song that was from the movie. Um, that that's mm-hmm. a highlight. That that catchy song. That's all I say. Was all, without spoiling anything. It's not. It's not. Everything is awesome, but that seems sort of like you know um, EDM pop kind of vibe too. But it in the context of that movie, it, it totally fits, right? But that's all I say. All right. And lastly, okay. before I do, you know, a breakdown of the show itself. Yeah, Ricardo. Yeah, um, you know, well, I know we, we saw it together, but other than that, you know, how you felt first time you saw the film and, you know, thoughts on the sequels. 
Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, it was just so like at the time Lego, like when you heard it on a Lego movie, I remember just, I, I was thinking it's just going to be the lazy like corporate cash grab concept, and I was like in my head, I was like, how how are they going to make this smart and make it work? And I, I couldn't think otherwise because Lego had, up up until that point was just doing the whole well Lego version of X, Y, and Z. So Lego Star Wars and Lego Indiana Jones and you know for the Xbox 360, like it's just that that easy, just easy cash grab. You know, play it, play it to the kids. You take a thing, make it Lego, and then skew young in the marketing. And when so when this started, I was thinking, what are they gonna do? Like exactly to tell a story? Because look, it's an ad. Let's be clear about that. Like, it's a oh, big it corporation. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do instead of just wasting our time with just basically, uh, uh, you know, an hour and a half infomercial, right? It's not going to be an infomercial. What are they going to do? And what they end up doing was this really clever metatextual narrative thing where they, they address Lego. They talk about, they basically just do the quote-unquote Matrix Star Wars Hero's Journey narrative. So they, they just do a big Hero's Journey send-up kind of joke on that. And then talk about Lego and the history of Lego itself because of the nature of Lego as a toy. And they, they get into the kind of, for lack of a better term, a kind of philosophy of, of the, the two Lego schools, right? You know, and it goes, and it, you know, if you want to get all, all you know, highfalutin and, and, and pretentious about it, it goes back deeper than that, right? It's, it's Aristotelianism versus Talianism or whatever it is, right? But it that's what it does. It says, the two schools are Lego. The people who just follow what's on the box and the, the people who just do what the fuck they want, Right? Right? I, I gotta tell you to guess which one I am, right? It's that, and it's very clever in that way in framing it like that. The concept of using glue, you know, all of that that aspect of it. It's just really smart stuff in terms of where they're going with it. The the the, the conceit of of the storyline, and yeah, Lord and Miller really shut up, shut up. Um, in terms of like, um, writing stardom and how to you know take the material and take it clever and carry it in a smart place. Um, and yeah, I, I just I just end up being like, wow, this is way fucking smarter than it should be, though. That, I was so so impressed by it in terms of like what you're gonna do with the material. Like that's what you got with Barbie as well. Like coming on, you know, uh, uh, after now. Like this is what you take it. You make you make meta commentary about the history of the product itself. And you know, again, it's still an ad, right? Let's be clear about that shit. But they make it work, and and it's really really smart, intelligent. Um, just you know, writing in general, just as good good. Text they put on screen, meta text, subtext, you know, overtones, undertones, smart material, funny jokes. You gotta make it work again. Batman, Batman was the highlight. Really, really smart stuff. Really funny. Again, I, I think Darkness No Parents came from this movie or it came from the Lego Batman movie. I can't remember. Um, I, I think it came. I think it's it came from this movie because yeah, it was this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Right. Yeah. He sung uh, yeah. and they play in the, in the end credits, but he also right. also had it in Lego Batman movie. Right. And yeah, yeah. So they just do commentary on Batman itself because I think that this came out. It was this came out right what what two years after the Dark Knight material. So it had a yeah. bunch of Batman fans. that was kind of overdoing it with the ticket Batman serious thing. So it's time to like you know. You know, put, you know, cut dog Batman fans up a peg that and kind of frame Batman for what he really is, right? You know, the ninja for you with 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 parent with daddy issues, right? Uh but yeah, uh they they really, really was just really smart stuff. What they what they did with the story, but the story was not about the story, it's about, you know, the the what Lego means to people and just the history of Lego. At this point, Lego was what? Like close to sixty years old at this point, I think so. About, um in yeah. terms of the, the Yes, with multiple generations of people who are accustomed to Lego, you know Lego. Everybody had Lego toys, everybody had a Lego set, everybody had a box of Lego, whatever it is. And and you, you just go with it. And yeah, really smart stuff. Lego Batman, great stuff. Uh didn't love it as much as other people because another Batman movie, animated Batman movie came out that year. That was um 
the I think it was his last one or the second to last movie involving Adam West, where they made an animated version, the sixties version. All right, that, and that it, one. Um, and we mentioned it in the reviewer, but I just forgot right, the name of it right now. It told, but it told a really similar story to Lego Batman, I think, and I I felt that did that better, in my humble opinion. Um, but yeah, that's why Lego Batman didn't do it for me. But if I saw but Lego Batman alone, I'd love Lego Batman because of what it was trying to say and do, um, in terms of the context of what it is to be Batman and and that whole. The, the whole law of Batman and how it, how it influences American pop culture and whatnot. Now, again, very smart, metatextual stuff, commentary, talking about the thing, but also telling a good story at the same time and knowing what to do. And it, it really works. Uh, the second Lego movie, it doesn't work. Um, I get what they were going for, um, but the problem is that because the first Lego movie did what it did, it was kind of hard to tell this kind of story as it is. If it just tell that story alone with all the metatextual stuff, the second movie would have probably worked a little better. But as it is, it didn't work. I get what you're going for. Don't work. Um, that's about it. I never see Jin Ninjago or whatever it is. Um, so that's about me. But yeah, the first Lego movie is kind of brilliant. Uh, I kind of loved it. Yeah. All right. So, you know, as I normally do on, you know, with retrospect reviews, I'm just going to do a break, you know, just a, a breakdown of the show itself. Just going to run through the film quickly. I know you guys could come in and mention stuff and, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, at the very beginning of the film, uh, we're introduced to the villain, Lord Business, a.k.a. President Business, you know, founder right. of Octane Industries, voiced by, you know, the man, the myth, you know, Will Ferrell, right? Uh, who I, I mean, I thought that was like just smart casting, by the way, because, you know, at the time, yeah. um, you know, in the 2000s, he was writing high off of, yeah, just these kind of like offbeat comedies, you know, you know what I mean? Like old school and um, the other guys and stuff like that, right? You know, he was big with that, right? Um, so yeah, he attacks, you know, well, we, we introduce the master builder, uh, Vitruvius, right? Um, and yeah, he attacks the sanctuary. Basically, he's seeking something called the Kragle, which is the most powerful super weapon, right? Um, and yeah. yeah, pretty much um, president business. Now he runs the entire city of, let me get the name quickly, of Bricksburg, right? Um, yeah. Right. So I, pretty much he's just... In this real, I'll, I'll get to that in a bit, right? In this real 1984 Big Brother kind of style, which caught me when I, by surprise when I watched it over, yeah, he just running the, the entire place uh, telling everybody what to do, right? By the way, there's a great line where uh, Vitruvius says, um, your robots, because yes, um, Master Builder, ha sorry, uh, Lord Business has robots too, right? So he says, your robots are no match for a Lord, for a Master Builder, for I see everything. And then like Lord Business just blasts the eyes like, oh, my eyes, right? And I think that's how he becomes blind, right? So yeah, uh, Lord Business takes the craggle and he does the whole evil laugh thing and then he heads out, right? And then Vitruvius tells Lord Business of this missing piece of resistance, right? That could magically disarm the Kragle, right? So, of course, Lord Business, he don't believe him and he just kick him down a pit, right? And it's, it's, it's funny to see because it's Legos, right? You're right. And just to touch on just the animation itself, right? Um, Stella, in my opinion, I, I just love the fact that it plays on the whole, it's Legos moving in this world, right? So, it's it's... 3D animation, yes, but the way how the characters move and just the way how the shots are framed or whatnot, yeah, it's literally like playing with Legos, right? So that shot with Lord Business, who has like these, like he has this, um, not like, like not mechanized legs, but the way how, uh, uh, yeah, let me just use it now, mechanized legs, the, it's just him like just kicking this little Lego thing down a pit, no? so they put, and just falls, Whee! You know, it's, yeah. it's something like that though. But that's how they play on the whole it's Legos we are seeing moving about. And you know, just from the movement to the look and all that, I think totally works, right? Anyway, so eight and a half years later now, uh, we're introduced to Emmett Brick uh, Brikowski, right? Who is voiced by Chris Pratt, right? 
And it's so funny looking at it now, right? That, yeah, you know, the opening title sequence to Barbie kind of pays tribute to this, right? Where yeah. it's basically... It, it does that. He's doing the same routine. It's like... Oh, no, yeah, uh, you know, I make, I make the joke. I call Barbie. Up. I call Barbie. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Trevor. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Continue, continue. I was just but talking yeah, about, I mean, like, I you know, how... I call Barbie the leaning Lego movie, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, basically what, what we mean is that, you know, like, he just wakes up and he's just doing the same routine every day and, you know, he's okay with it, right? And it makes sense because he's a toy. Like, when you really think about it, he's a toy. So, what does it matter if he if he does anything different or if he decides to? He's a toy at the end of the day, right? Um, but, you know, I... I, I, I you know, just kind of recapping this now. I, I, I really interest. I really like the the little um, bits of like will building that they do here, right? So like he has this guidebook, you know, telling him how to start his day. You know, he had to brush his teeth. You know, you have to take a shower. You have to watch his show called you "See My Pants," right? Just because, right? I like this part where he says where he has to follow. You know, the eat breakfast with the ones you love step, right? And it's just him all alone. Like he have nobody. He just they're like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm eating breakfast, right? So it's like that, right? So let me talk about the Oscar nominated song, "Everything Is Awesome," right? Which is the top mm-hmm. song on the chart of Bricksburg for like what X amount of weeks, right? Um, for me, I love how they use it in the sequence where. Yeah, you just see just how mechanized the city is, right? The way how the cars move and how robotic the citizens move, right? And, you know, it's just very, very smart you know, in terms of the meta, right? Um, on the one hand, it's playing on the fact that, yes, they are toys, right? So, yeah, you, you know, they're just sort of moving a certain part or the characters move a certain part. But when you think about it, when you add the whole 1984 kind of delive kind of aspect to it now. It's like, it's kind of dark too, right? Yeah, everything is all automated now, you know what I mean? The way how the characters move and whatnot, right? Um, it's very subtle, right? But it, it, it actually works, right? And you really see how present business really much have a stranglehold on everything, right? But the beauty of the song though is that while, like, what you're seeing is darker, even though it's Legos and his characters and the talking and they're all goofy and shit, right? But is the song itself, Dren, how glitzy, is this glitzy kind of EDM bubblegum pop though? It fits perfectly, right? But yeah, when you really think about what's going on, it's, it's some dark shit, eh? Like it's really some dark shit, right? Um, the, I mentioned they live. They even have like some they lives, well, not so much subliminal messages, right? But yeah, you'll see like posters from present business. You see like, I've got my eyes on you. It'll be that kind of stuff. Um, they make a joke where Emmett, you know, paying for overpriced coffee. Like he paid $27 for, for, for a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? So it's like all these little things though, but the idea is that he must be happy because he he is in this world, right? But then the most important aspect... Was it they, Sorry? Uh, the, the, what was that bit? I'm trying to remember. There was that bit where um, it's like, if you don't follow the rules, you will go to sleep permanently. But right, in between yes, yes. everything. Um, no, because while yeah. he was watching the show, while he was watching show, right? While, while he was watching the right. my pants, there's, there's a there's um there's an ad. So his president is talking about you know Taco Tuesday is coming soon, right? So you know look out for that and do everything we say, or we'll kill you, or you'll or you'll um stop you when you sleep, or <laughs> kill you when you sleep or something like that. That you just see it quick, nah. Yeah. And Emma's is like, okay, give me my sleep, all right. And he just sort of moves on, nah, right? And I like that you know just closing on the song, right? You know, it's just you know, yeah, you, I, I, no, by the way, they, they, they end off the scene very well, right, where it's like, where, you know, you're seeing Emmett, and he's a builder, right, you know, he's building a building, which makes a lot of sense, right, you know, because Lego, right, um, 
yeah, you know, he's like, I love this song. Yo, I love this song too. I could sing this song for hours. And then you see five hours later and it's evening time and they're still singing the same song. You know what I mean? So it's that sort of like subversive take on, yeah, just the whole totalitarian aspect of this society though. Like I genuinely love though. Like it's very, very smart writing, right? So yeah, guys, I don't know if you have any, if I have any thoughts to weigh in on this opening with the song and how it frames the will of of, of Brixbird, if, if y'all have anything to say. Yeah, I thought it was clever. Very, very, again, starts the will quite well. Very, It's very, you know, Matrix, right? It's It starts yes. the will of, oh, yeah. well, the character trapped in the world and he's so trapped, blah, 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 blah. blah. And he started, you know, Hero's Journey shit. Lego. Yeah, um, um, Tracy, anything or Ashton, anything before I move on? Yeah, if you no, do no, like no, Lego. Go ahead, Tracy. No, go ahead, Ashton. When you throw, I'll, I'll, I'll bump well, it in. I was going to say, yo, if you don't like Lego movie, then your childhood was probably, like, sad. Yeah. That's all I had to say about that. Because <laughs> oh, 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 it's sad childhood. You didn't have a lot to worry about or something. Yes, I don't... Oh, you didn't have a lot of Lego or something. Yeah. Or something like that. No, yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, I, I, I like how that whole... Um, you know, the, the, the idea of, like, just trying to live your life or living his life in a very kind of uh, uh, blinkers, blinders on his eyes kind of way, because everything is just, this is great, this is like, this is what it is. And it really does kind of feel like, the more I think about it, it really does kind of feel like our modern existence, like our day-to-day millennial existence. Yeah, but that's, that's, just, that's just me on a Yeah, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that <laughs> yeah. Right, so, you know, after a long, hard day of work, um, Emmett, you know, trying to get into this after-work line, but everybody, like, kind of avoided him, right? Um, he hears a whoosh, like, he literally hears a whoosh, right? And he notices the character of Wildstyle, right? You know, a master right. killer, right? Yeah, voiced by McGill Elizabeth Banks. Also, I love, there's, like, two moments where they say, oh, that's your name, Wildstyle? Is that a DJ name? Like, that, that's a nice joke. I like, I like that. Right. You know, just her, just playing. Um, basically, she's the trinity in all of this, right? You know, she is the, right. the badass female warrior or whatnot, right? But it works, right? And she's looking for this particular relic, right? Um, and yeah, there's this moment where her hoodie comes off. And I like that it's Emmett watching it. It's like, he, I think he says, like, I'm about to report. And he says, you. I just hear this whimsical music in the background. And right. the background is going, you. Like, it's it's very hilarious. But I, lo- I like how they set it up too, right? Um, and then, well, long story short, you know, he um, ends up chasing after her. He falls into this pit. And then, well, surprise, surprise, he finds the piece of resistance, right? The relic, it's, it's kind of beckoning him to touch the piece. And he does so and he just sees like a bunch of weird imagery right and some of which which actually caught me by surprise when I first saw it includes what could be human beings though like when I saw that for the first I was like oh okay and then he just passes out right and then he wakes up in this interrogation room and then he meets one, in my opinion one of the best characters in this whole show <laughs> Bad Cop Tread I like I'll yeah. never forget when I first saw the character. I hear the voice like, "Oh shit, is Liam Neeson though?" Yeah, yeah, you know, right after Taken came out and put him in the stratosphere. Yeah, he was like the go-to, you know, badass Irishman. You know, <laughs> you want to play tough guys, right? Don't mind. He was in Taken Two, which came out before, and Taken Two is horrible. I I never forget. I spent money to watch that in cinema. It was terrible. Like the editing for that, wow. And then three come in. I was like, "Wow, that that was terrible, right?" But anyway, right. I, I came and sat through all of those. Never again. Yeah, ne- never again. But the first one, the first one hard. The first one hard, right? But yeah, just hearing him 
in this show though had me laughing though and what what thing bad cop do every time he does it i am just cracking up i'll never forget laughing at it when i first saw this cinema right is that when he gets mad Jen, he just start kicking everything Jen. like you'll see a chair and you'll just walk up into it and just kick it blow and you just kick it again and kick it again though it's something about that because again it's illegal movements though but it's something about when he does that though had me crack it up right what I thought was really interesting though was the good cop persona right and it, it does right. cool if you twist the lego head around you know you know you see the good side right that's what, a joke and that's a great joke eh? it is what it that's a nice little reference to how lego people used to do that with legos Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Twisty head off. I used to do that too, right? What mm-hmm. kind of oddly reminds me of though, if if you if you had Transformers in it, right? If you remember Transformers the movie, right? Remember mm-hmm. the whole Quintessence and Executioner character. The Quintessence, yeah. The Quintessence, yeah. Yeah. When I see that twisting of the head, I always remember. There's a there's a old and there's a old uh, Tanadi Barbarian. There's a villain in that that's really similar. Uh, a guy who's like a thing. Look up, look up that. That's look up the opening. You'll see the guy. Right. Look up that. That's why I tell the guy from. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that right. same double face kind of thing, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, right, right, right. Well, good thing you bring up that, right? And yeah, you know, well, and and the good cop literally does this kind of like. It's, he, he's still talking Irish, yeah, but he just talking like more effeminate, like oh, you know forgive him you know nothing's wrong with him and then bad cop is like no we should kill him right but it totally works right and then well they learn you know well bad cop is working for for present business and the idea is that he wants to get emmett because well surprise surprise peace is on the back of emmett like it's stuck to the back of emmett right so yeah that 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 works right um but yeah yeah any thoughts on the character of of bad cop guys like is this one of your favorite characters yeah, no, funny bit. Um, I remember just like it, you know, again, the, the because of the, the energy of how the animation is work. And there was, I forget what it was doing at the time with that type of animation, but it was like a, it's stop motion, but I'm not sure it was a kind of computerized kind of thing to, to change the frame rate. And, with, you know, it just, it just timing with the, with the humor really, really well. Uh, but yeah, that, that was just, just really, really funny stuff. Right? Again, yeah, again, Liam Neeson here and his voice is like, yeah, that cracking him up. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, we learned too that you know, well, you know, um, basically that that president business needs the peace, right? You know, um, to well, he needs the the craggle, well, he needs the peace for the craggle, right? In order to end the world, right? And we learned that it will happen in three days, so that will be in on Taco Tuesday, right? Um, so right, so bad cup. Can I get some of president business's goons to try to melt the peace from Emmett's back, right? And then out of the blue, Wild Style shows up and she just goes Trinity on these goons right and i will lie though one one thing this show excels at though is the action sequences right it's yeah. fast it's frenetic it's over the top it's ridiculous though but it's how does how describe it it's like lego physics like the way how they move it's very quick and whatnot like the way how like somebody will get punched or punch someone it's very it has lego logic to it like lego physics that's the best way i could sum it up right um what catch me by surprise too is that the lasers are Legos too, eh? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just like just the thought of that, like the friggin' like the lasers, right? That are firing out the guns are Legos too, right? So yeah. what Lego Lego blocks there. Like it's it's very, very well thought out, right? I love the, the line when she says, Come with me if you wanna not die. That's a nice line. Okay. See what they did there, right? Um But touching on the matrix, right? I'd like, like to hear your thoughts on this, guys, right? Um, you can really see the Matrix influences on this film, right? So, you know, the well, it, it's yeah. not true. It's not just the Matrix. I think it's just the whole making, basically, the Joseph Campbell stuff, right? Right, right. It's it, just it, a big stand up. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. It's just um, making fun. Uh, what well, is by a man of a thousand pieces? It's, it's, it's right. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. You're making fun of that that in its own conceit, and and it has to do some really like 
basic, simple versions of everything. All the plot devices, the MacGuffin, blah, 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 blah. Every one of these things, so on the nose, it's like, all right, that's a joke. Exactly, because it's a Lego yeah. story. Right, it's Lego, right. and it's, it's a kid, basically, it's a kid's imagination manifested. And like, yeah, yeah, it works. And, you know, it's, it's from that same yeah. Joseph Campbell story that, you know, well, the Matrix, you know, draws inspiration. Right, from, right? exactly. Yeah. Right, Star Wars, mm-hmm. right, whatever. Yeah. Harry Potter, whatever. Right, right. Uh, Tracy, is going to say <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, that deep dive is, like, legit. But, I mean, like, for the rest of us, uh, you know, you look at her coming in and doing her thing and picking him up and basically moving along the way. And that is legitimately calls back to 1999 and, and Trinity being the one who is actually with the brains. Yes. Yep. You know, going to save the guy. So, like, yeah, that, that was a heist for me. That was, yeah. a, that was what I was going to say. Also, I should mention, too, um, I, I love the aspect of the Master Builder where they can look at various objects and you see numbers on them so they can kind of see to the computerized and know, like, you know, I'm going to take all these pieces, I'm going to put arrange them in a certain way, I'm going to build an object, I'm going to build a vehicle or whatnot. Like, yeah. just that logic scene yeah. from their POV, I love that. Yeah. And how quick they build these things together, I thought was badass or like, like, I love that, right? But yeah, as far as the Matrix influences those, so I mentioned, you know, President Business and the whole systems of control thing, right? Um, Bad Cop, almost kind of Agent Smith-like, like when you really take right, it right? Right, exactly. And, you know, yes. whole morphing into characters, like, you know, like the, the, the agents could morph into humans or morph into each other. It's kind of like the whole Bad Cop, Good Cop kind of persona. That's how I see it. Um. You know, right down to Wild Style, call it Emmett the Special, right? So, you know, he's pretty yeah. much the one, right? He's Neo. And this, this whole prophecy built around him and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would argue even... Sorry? No, I, I'm just remembering, like, he didn't know who he was. Like, the, she was asking him certain things, and he was giving her, like, these kind of weird, normal-ish answers and I guess I mean she was like oh my god yeah so yeah, there was yeah, a whole what's your favorite song everything is awesome it's like oh no <laughs> like I love that and <laughs> it happens actually during this really kick-ass um catchy sequence though and I would I would make the argument they, they really borrow from Matrix Reloaded from that though right with the whole bike that you know Wildstar creates and all that kind of stuff and just how fast paced it all is though you know what I mean and of course Bad Cup chases after them right it's very Matrix inspired at least in my opinion right I would say even the micromanager machines that business uh, present business have have a kind of a squiddy kind of look you know with the, with the tentacles for arms like I like that right so you can see it right Um, there's a great line where Emmett says you know I want to go home and then he end up driving into like a, like an actual Lego house. It's like, that's not what I meant. You know what I mean? So it's just all these quick bits of humor that I absolutely love about this, right? Um, and where the show excels for me, though, is just the side gags with how exaggerated it is, right? So as you as I mentioned before with, with um, Wild Style Action, Emmett, all these questions, and she's like, oh, no, right? She, you know, she ended up activating this portal, right? The secret portal, right? And then, well, the, the bike, which ends up, she ended up framing into a, a, a copter now, goes straight, right? So when the portal is closed now, you're just seeing police cars literally being thrown onto the wall hearse, right? So that's one thing I love about this show. Like, they, 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 it's all, it's done in such a way, like, literally somebody is playing with Legos. So, like, when there's a car chase and you're seeing explosions or, you know, like, a cars are being run into each other. Yeah, you know, you see, you know, like, it's literally somebody off screen throwing cars at the wall, right? And then they just suddenly get engulfed in fire, right? I love that. That's genius, right? And I'll close with this, right? Bad cops meltdown afterwards, though. I love that. Hustle man just like pick up something and just sort of kick it. 
and kick it and kick it. One of the policemen run off and he just kick it up in the air and it just hit the man. Like, I love that. I must have watched that scene over like four times. That shit was funny when I first saw it. It's still funny to this day, right? So, um, true Lego magic. Although I, I, I more see it like the doors in Matrix Reloaded where, yeah, you open a door and it's like a, a different dimension, so to speak, right? Yeah, um, Emmett and Wildstyle end up in the, well, the Lego dimension or realm. I'll call it dimension, right? Of the old West, right? Also points for having the text the old west be like suspended in the air so like there's a moment where the characters are in the town right and like in the distance like food off the distance you're still seeing that logo suspended in the air like i love that is again it's just that meta writing i love that right um and I like that, you know, it's although it's given in this info dump, right? This quick info dump. Yeah, there's there's different dimensions now, different worlds, different Lego worlds, right? Um, points for the speed so one though. Yeah, yeah, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah you sure get get shout out there. I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. They do it I'll... real quick though. Like, what? Wait, speed racer? Holy shit! I, I had to rewind. It's like, yep, it's it's speed racer. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's smart, it's, again, it's just really smart meta commentary of, all oh, right, yeah, it have all these worlds because, yeah, Lego just make everything <laughs> a version of, a Lego version of something. That's the reference. Again, it's to sell toys, let's be clear about this, but it works. Yeah. It's smarter than anything. Exactly. So back to president business, right? This man have, like, this ridiculously tall, like, you know, um, building, right? The skyscraper, right? Like, immense. Yeah, okay. right? Um, so he brings in Bad Cup to, to lay out his plan, right? And I like the setup of all this, right? With the relic room. And one of the relics is this large band-aid that he calls it the cloak of band-aid. Like, when I hear that, I was like, yeah. all right. All right, all right. Yeah. I, like that. I like that, right? But it gets better, Dre, because when, like, you're hearing about craggle, 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 right? And then when you see what crag, what the craggle is, like, holy yeah. shit, boy, wow. So <laughs> crazy. it's basically a used tube of crazy glue hus. Right. The words right. worn out say, seeing craggle, like you see, yeah. K R A G L A D. That was a brilliant reveal. I love that. I love that. I love that, right? So, but it gets better because you realize that the piece of resistance is actually Capus. Round of applause. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> right. And then we get this, like, incredibly dark scene hers by Lego Movie Standards, right? It, involving his, well, present business's demonstration of what he called the tacos, the T-A-K-O-S, right? So it's a machine designed to spray the, the, the crazy glue, right? So the idea is that he's going to stick, he's going to freeze, well, basically stick the um, the citizens, right? Because he don't like the idea of them changing the world that he has built. So he wants to keep right. them in one spot now. So he, you know, spray the crazy glue on them, right? Um so he tests them on Bad Cop's parents' dog, Mark Cop and, and Park Cop, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's funnier, it's it funnier, but it's real dark at the same time, Jen, because how they're talking, hey, son, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, what's going on? And then, well, you know, President Business is like, you know, just, just move a little, to, little bit to the left. No, come on, Mark, like, move to the left. Like, what are you doing? Like, no, you move to the left. Like, I like how it builds the tension, right? And then, well, it's Bad Cop's now because, you know, he just, you know, he taken, you know, well, He's seen his parents go through this list, so he switched into the good cop scenario. Um, scenario right. Not working, right? But yeah, uh, President Business kind of pretty much immobilized the legs first, and then he like he about to spray the rest of the bodies now, and I think Bad Cop stops him from doing that. It's, 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 a, it's a total it's a total Roger Rabbit moment. The body Robert Roger Rabbit with the shoe. Oh, yes, yes. Right. Yeah, right, yes. Right, yeah. Very, um, yeah, very Roger Right, yeah. and, then, and then, well, 
Well, business comes and says, well, you know, your good say will always come in the wiener. So the man come with this Q-tip and nail polish. And he give it names to her. And does he scrubs off good cop's face, Shred. Yeah. <laughs> and it forces the bad cop now to stick with the bad persona, right? Like it's darker, listen, that is so, it's so, that is so like, yeah, that is so like a thing because you could do that with Legos. Yes. That's why it makes it funny. Right. Right. What's that? What's that, Tracy? That is high. No, no, no. I was just saying that is heights. That is yeah, heights. Yeah, that was even... like really smart, though. Yeah. But again, it's a real dark scene there, but it's so funny and so smart at the same time. I love it. I love yeah. it, right? But yeah, but back in the, in the Old West dimension, right? So Emmett and Wildstyle head to the saloon because they're looking for Vitruvius, right? A.K.A. the wizard, yeah. right? Um, points for the sort of a honky-tonk version, the piano version of Everything is Awesome, please. Right. And so right, yeah. the person playing it is Vitruvius, right? And, you know, he tells him, he tells Wildstyle to meet him upstairs in 10 seconds. I like that you see this old film, real title card, so it's like 10 seconds later. You know, that, that, that was funny. And it's also made by Octane, you know, Industries. So it's like, all right, all right, I see you, I see you, right? So there's a moment now where uh, Vitruvius uses Lego magic, that's what I'll call it, right? To try to unlock Emmett's, he trying to, he trying to, Unlock the master builder potential that's in him, right? Because they keep telling him he's right. special. He is the, the the ultimate master builder, right? So it's like that, right? And agree to disagree, but swear to God, Dre, the set piece that they end up in, right? Is this a doesn't the real from the Matrix? That's a joke. That's it's the joke. Doesn't real, right? Because is this right, the, so the term, the term, right? So that's the term the doesn't real is a old term. It's an right. old Baudrillard term, but it's an even older term with, with Quine. And if you know who those people are, you shouldn't really matter. Don't waste your time learning that shit. But the point is, it's supposed to be that idea. That's the joke. That That's why I kind of got. When I was watching it, like, oh, it's, it's, they do the, the Baudrillard thing. That's funny, though. That's why I thought it was. But yeah, you're, you're kind of right. Yeah, because you, right. you see the teeth. Well, it, 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 and also, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the loading room. And I think it's called the loading room, right? In the Matrix, right? Not the, um, the, not the loading room. The, the, oh gosh, the construct. The construct, right, right. Where, where yeah. it's just this blank white room, but there's a couch yeah. and there's a TV, right? So in, right. At least yeah. in, in Lego, once they imagine it, it will be a reality. So I think Emmett imagined the couch or imagined the TV or something like that, right? But yeah, I swear to God, that was like, that's the real shit. I was like, what? Okay, right. Um, but that was real smart, right? And um, Vitruvius and Wildstyle mentioned the man upstairs, right? And then Emmett mm-hmm. mentioned, oh, he may have seen this person in the weird dream that he have, right? So I thought it was really smart, right? So the wizard come up, well, the wizard, right, of Vitruvius comes up with a, with a plan, right? So the idea is that he's going to assemble all the master builders at this place called Cloud Cuckoo Land to stop present business, right? But then Bad Cop, and I think is he Sheriff? I think it's just this Sheriff, bad guy looking guy, show up, right, to stop the heroes, right? And they flee, and then we get this really kick ass chase sequence, right, where Emmett kind of is forced to learn how to be a master builder. I like how he does it. Where he starts off, where he take one of the wheels and he sticks it to his head, so he's using the head to kind of pivot the wheel. I thought that, that, that was really smart. Right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, well, near the end of the sequence, the, our heroes are saved by none other that none none other sorry than Batman, who is voiced right. by Will Arnett, right? And I don't know, like I can't remember for the life of me if I if he was in the trailers. Cause um because all I just knew was just Wildstyle and Vitruvius and right. Massabilla, right? Uh sorry, and Lord Bis- and Massabil and President Business, sorry, right? But for the life of me, I think it was a surprise seeing Batman in this though. 
right? Yeah, and, and that, that, that is a funny joke on its own right. Because again, when you say when you're playing as a child, you'll just put any bullshit into the, the thing. It's like, well, you know, you know, you, you have Godzilla fighting He-Man, like whoever, He-Man yes. Dave, because, you know, he has the power, right? That bullshit. It's, yes. it, it's that. And they, they make it work in that. That makes total like sense as a, as a your, your synthesizing child logic for a situation. No? Because again, yes. when they, you do the final frame, frame sequence, it make, that is what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how he just dropping all these back puns and, you know, well, Will Annette again doing the voice though, so like, I'm Batman. Yeah, that's how you say it, I'm Batman, you know, dark and brooding, man. And, and, and it was cool that he is a master builder as well too, but the surprise is that he is Wild Style's boy- boyfriend, sorry, because right, she mentioned, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, I, I I got a boyfriend. No, well, she mentioned that in the Old West, like she just basically tell um, Emmett, you know, I have a boyfriend, I'm taken, so forget it, leave me alone, right? Just right, right on okay. the edge, right? But yeah, I nobody. I don't think anybody saw it coming that Batman was Wild Styles' boyfriend. Though that, that was funny, right? But I love how the scene ends though, where they reference the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie, right? Where Bat, right. where the Bat plane now crashes through the, the sun, moon, which yeah. is another portal. Yeah. I see the Batman right. logo. That, that, that was that was real funny, right? So yeah, any any thoughts on you know the the introduction of you know Lego Batman into this world? No, yeah, yeah, like it's 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 really funny bits. It's just, again funny stuff we talk about it, but you know, it, it's shocking that this was stuff. This was ten years ago, though. It's like it's that kind of stuff, though. But they make it work. Yeah, they did, they did, right? Um, th- th- this particular portal um takes our heroes to Middle Zealand, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and then it just goes up a rainbow, and then it goes into Cloud Cuckoo Land, right? Which is technically heaven in this movie. It's 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 kind of heaven. That's what it is, right? Um, and here is where I think all the master builders. Ah, right. And they just, they're just partying and having fun, right? Uh, we introduced the Princess Unikitty, who is voiced by Bagheel Alison Bree, uh, who I, I, I love since, you know, um, Community Days. Um, and she has pretty much given Emmett a tour of the place, right? Um, again, with the Matrix references, right? Agree to disagree. This is essentially Zion. It's Zion. Right, 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 right. But yeah. I'll, uh, here, here, here's what I'll say, right? Again, agree to disagree, right? This is more of a family-friendly version of the rave scene from the Matrix Reloaded, where it's like, yes, we have these powers, and we you know we have to, we, we we have to fight and whatnot, and we get the speech, but we get later on. But yeah, here we could kind of hang out and have fun and party and not worry about anything, right? So yeah, it's all this like EDM music playing in the background and everybody like having fun and shit. But it's like you know, eventually a war is coming, right? Uh, we meet a uh, metal beard who is voiced by Nick Offerman. I I, I forgot that he was in Asher, right? I thought that he was great in this as well, too, right? Um, to me, I kind of see him as I could be wrong, sort of a transformer. Because he is a Lego character, but he has this right. large, mechanized, transformer-esque kind of body, right? He kind of reminds me of um, Jetfire from um, Revenge of the Fallen. Like that old transformer, but he have this European accent. Like I, I get Jet, Jetfire vibes from him as well, right? And just speaking of 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 Claw Cuckoo Land, it was it was cool like seeing all these different characters, right? So you see like Gandalf, you see President Lincoln, you see a bunch right. of like Justice League characters as well too. Um, you see the Harlem Globetrotters, you see Shaq out of the blue, and it's voiced by Shaq. I was like, what? Yeah. You know, so it's just all these different references, right? That, that was really cool, right? Um. But like I say, you know, similar to Matrix Reloaded, we get a rave scene. Oh, sorry, we get a, a, a big speech, right? But the speech comes after in this case, right? I like that 
you know, you take it for truth, yes, right? Because, you know, it's voiced by Morgan Freeman, right? So they go, all right, well, Morgan Freeman gonna do the speech, right? You know, because he is God, right? If you remember from Bruce Almighty, right? Yeah. So you gotta rally right. people, but he's like, well, he, he just basically the MC. <laughs> he just bring in um, Emmett to talk, right? Because Emmett is the special, right? I like that Emmett kind of just don't know what to say because, like, you know what? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a coward and, yeah, I don't even think I could pull this off, right? Um, but it works, right? You know, um, you know, because you know the idea is that he he's he has to lead the army to stop president business, right? Um, but you know, mm. he he was about to make a point. He he said, you know, eventually, like he said, wait, I, I, I get it to my point, right? But as he about to make the point, hey, bad cop, and you know the well, businesses robots show up to invade, um, you know, Cloak, um, Kukulan, right? Um, and well, we learn why because you know he track a, he he plant a tracking device on Emmett, right? There's a there's a real funny moment where Batman tries to flee, right? She says to the Batmobile, and then the goons blow it up, right? And then Wonder Woman, who is like Kobe Smulders, by the way. <laughs> that, that was clever. Yeah. yeah, you know, to the invisible jet. And I like that you don't even see the jet and then it just blew it up still. I love that. I love that. <laughs> that was that was so good. Okay, think that they will do the whole Super Friends thing where you see the outline of the jet, but like, no, you don't even see the jet, and they still blow that shit up. I love it. It's hilarious, right? Um, so yeah, with nowhere to go, Emmett quickly decides, you know, he comes with the idea that everybody should go underwater, right? Uh, Batman, you know, because he's a dick. Sorry, he is. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Yeah, we should, we should, we should go underwater. He's like, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. And even while says like, you know, babe, you come up with the best ideas, right? You know, so wow, Batman's a real ass, right? But anyway, so he comes up with the idea of creating a bat submarine. I like that Vitruvius says, you know, they can add dream catches for when they all go to sleep, which is a reference right. to the movie Funny, Catcher, yeah. which yep. I have. Famously avoided because I even yeah it's pretty bad. I was good about how bad it was, right? But I like yeah, it's pretty bad reference. Yeah, um, note to self, I should really watch that bad movie roast that Double Toasted did of it. I know I'll I'll really enjoy that, right? But whatever. Yeah, so our main heroes escape on the sub, and the us the the other master builders are rounded up by the cops and the robots. And yeah, they, they pretty much destroy Claw Kukulando, which is like, holy shit, wow, right? And yeah. in the process, well, the bat submarine gets flooded out and it sort of blows up too, right? Um, but the hero, our heroes make it out just in time, right? Because it's so funny, yeah, and I like how they set it up to, yeah, inside the, the, the sub, um, you know, Emmett creates a double, double, he, he, he creates a double, I think it's a double, double decker bed, right? Something like that, right? And everybody watches like, wow, that's like the stupidest idea I've ever seen. And yet, that is where our characters hide when the when the submarine, you know, eventually sinks, right? So that, that was really interesting, right? Uh, so yeah, so, Hem- uh, so Emmett, sorry, hatches a plan to sneak into business's tower, right? And place the cap onto the cragger, right? And, um, you know, it's that whole, you know, um, is that Ocean's Eleven kind of shtick where they're showing you what will happen, but it's actually what happens, you know, so they do that whole shtick as real elaborate, so, oh, we have to sneak up in here, we have to do this, and we have to bypass this, and all that kind of stuff, right? But it involves um, building a spaceship, right? I love, you know, where, where Emmett's mindset is, where it's like, well, we can't create our own, so we kind of have to make one that's similar to the ones that get inside, you know, the whole building in the first place, right? So, yeah, they have to build a spaceship, but how do we build a spaceship, right? And there's this character, right, Benny, right, who's this 80s-looking spaceman who's voiced by Charlie D, right? Yeah. I forgot Charlie Best D was character. in this shit, right? And he is, like, obsessed over building spaceships. spaceships, right? And he's like, yeah. right, I want to build it like this. But it's like, no, we, 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 we have 
have to do it in the way how spaceships that come into the building with supplies, they, it has to look like that, right? But the problem is, is that they need a hyperdrive, right? And again, with all these surprises, right? All these pop culture references, right? The friggin' Millennium Falcon shows up, right? With Han Solo, Chewie, C-3PO, who is voiced by Anthony Daniels, by the way, and right. Lando Calrissian, who is voiced by um, Billy D. Williams. So I was like, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. But just the just the presence of that in this movie blew me away, right? Because, yes, we know about the Lego Star Wars. I think that the games came out before the movie came out, right? But you wouldn't think you would see it in a Warner Brothers movie, right? Like, seeing the Lord of the Rings characters, well, seeing Gandalf makes sense, right? Because New Light Cinema yeah. is with Warner it's Brothers, right? Properties, you yeah. would think mm-hmm. that you would see a, 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 a Fox property in a Warner film, right? I was like, wow, okay, okay. Um, I like that Lando, you know, because he's a player, right? Yeah, he started flirting with, with Wildstyle, though. Well, she tell him that she take it, right? And then, well, Batman, because, again, he's just a dick. He just decided to just run off with them because he just want to party with a bunch of strangers because he's Batman. I love that. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's it's a nice bit of character development, you know, because what you really see is that, like, what you really think about it, especially with the, the film incarnations of Batman, yeah, he can never hold on. He can never hold on a girl. He can never hold on a girl. He will always have a girlfriend and something will happen and they will always split or separate and you'll never see them again in other films, right? So perfect example, look at Batman Forever, right? He was with Nicole Kidman, right? And then all of a sudden in Batman Robin, he's with somebody. I never understood that glow up, but that's on, that glow down, but that's another story on itself because who is this random modeless? Oh, no. Yeah, who's Like all the films that he had at a point and then just boom. Uh, I'm very off topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's so stupid, but at the same time, yeah, it just really shows how much he sucks as a boyfriend, right? And yeah, you know, it's all that whole insecurity stuff about settling down, because even when you see him with Wild Sides, like, you know, like, babe, you know what I mean? Like, come on, like, you know, give him a little elbow room now. Like, that's how he 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 um he, he plays himself, right? Uh, but then the film kind of subverts that same joke, though, right? Where Batman shows back, like, about a, about a minute afterwards, right? And then he's saying how he didn't want to hang out with a bunch of dudes, but he did take the hyperdrive anyway, and it results in the Falcon, the Millennium Falcon, being swallowed. And I had to do a little research into this by an exogot, which is the sort of um sort of um alien beast thing that in the planet that mm-hmm. swallowed it. Well, right. So it's in it's from the yeah. strikes back, right? But how they set up in the movie mm-hmm. where it swallows the the Millennium Falcon. Sorry, that was hilarious. I love that. That's so hilarious, right? So yeah, um, back to the whole ocean. 11 plan, right? So, of course, it doesn't play out as expected, and our heroes are captured by pre- uh, President Business and his goons, right? This is Think Tank, where all the remaining mass builders are, and I think they just kind of just dare to kind of assist in creating shit, like coming up with ideas. I think that's what they're there for. I think so, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, but yeah, you know, well, Business sends some robots to stop the to stop Vitruvius, right? And yeah, well, similar to Wildstyle earlier on, Vitruvius just kicks out at the ass, right? And this does it like about a, like 30 seconds, right? Like just a quick fight scene, right? And then the man get decapitated us. And when I see that, I was like, what? Like it just sort of happens on the blue, right? So yeah, present business had a friggin' coin, like an actual coin. Eh? He throws it, right? like a projectile, like seven man head us. So it, it was so it was a coin because in all honesty it looked like an exacto blade that he had so i was wondering about that oh no 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 well the exacto blade comes afterwards right but yeah he had a coin so he just threw it and 
cut the man out. I was like, what? But it's dark, eh? but again, his Lego, so it's, it's funny, right? Um, and you know, because he's a wizard, you know, the head is still alive and he has to say some last words to Emmett, right? But what catch we do? And this is where the, the, the film kind of does this, well, you know, the big twist now, so to speak. Yeah, he tells him, well, he made up the prophecy. He made it up. Right. And I, I, again, going back to Matrix, I feel like that is, well, of course, it's a hero's journey, right? But I feel it also goes back to, you know, uh, Matrix Reloaded, the whole idea with right. Morpheus really stressing that, oh, Neo is the one, and Neo is the one who's supposed to, you know, bring balance and do all this. And then, well, the Oracle tell him, no, like, he's not supposed to do that. He's supposed to do this. And, you know, Morpheus is like, oh, my God, like, you know, this is not what I was led to believe, right? So I feel like that's what they were kind of poking fun at, in a sense, with it, right? Where you're thinking it's about this one thing, right? This is the purpose. This is the, the, the whole goal of everything. And then somebody tells you, well, no, that's not what it is because it's all a lie. It's, it's all, you know, a, a whole construct in itself, right? So I love that, right? Um, and before, well, you know, Vitruvius tells him, he say. I'm going to tell you something very important. It's going to change the course of history. I mean, before he does that, he dies in quotes, right? You see X's, like, he, you know, X's for eyes. I love that. that. That was really clever, right? So, yeah, uh, President Business traps our the remaining heroes and he removes the piece from Emmett's back. I think he, he uses the exacto blade for that, right? I forget what he called it, right? But is the exacto some kind of, like, some sort of, like, medieval meetup term that he uses for it, right? And then... He throws, well, he throws it out the window, though. And it just falls into, like, this abyss, right? And then, well, he just kind of look at Bad Cop and, like, he just tell well, his robots to kill him, right? I love the line that he says, right? It's, it's generic as all hell, but it works, right? Where he says, it's not personal, it's business. Lord business. I was like, all right, <laughs> I like that. that that's, that's, that's cheesy, but that's the point, I get. It's, it's, it's bad guy shit, right? That, that's clever, right? And then we get this genuinely Lamau moment, right? Where you see Ghost Vitruvius show up, Tread. And again, just the, the animation style of it, though, it literally looks like, you know, a Lego piece is, you know, it, like you see like um, like like a white sheet over it with eyes and whatnot. Right. And it's literally dangling by a wire, right? And it's like, I'm a ghost, woo like even Morgan does the ooh stuff and just hearing Morgan go ooh is funny to me right but yeah basically he says the reason why he made up the prophecy is that he wanted the person who is eventually who will end up being the special who will end up being appointed as the special to believe so much that they are special that they end up doing extraordinary things right again is a whole subversion of the whole one aspect yeah. the whole new thing for the Matrix right um, you know so like Again, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Ricardo, right? I know you know the Matrix better than we do. Yeah, Neo in the first film kind of had to believe that he was the one, though. Right. Everybody kept telling him, you are the one, you are the one, and he didn't really believe it. But it's only when he, you know, the whole um, scene with well, the building and, you know, he do the whole bullet time thing and then eventually dies, he kind of had to right. kind of come to terms like, yes, well, I am it, the yeah, one, was, so, you know? Yeah, it was, well, I, I think it was kind of the opposite. She kind of, it was a kind of reverse psychology thing with, um, uh. what do you call it? With the Oracle. I remember the Oracle told him his own. Right, yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah, sorry, kid, you're not the one. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And so on and so on. Then when, when push comes to shove, but she, she, she did tell him something about he had to make a big choice involving Morpheus. And that was the big point at that point where he had to like sort things out now. But it was himself, not really the one thing. So the one thing come yeah. after when he realized, oh, I could do this amazing shit that nobody else could do. Yeah, whatever. 
Exactly. Yeah, but but it's like he could do what everybody doing, but just in a way more heightened way, right? So yeah, yeah you know, in a way he kinda had to believe he 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 was that to to even reach that level. It's it's weird as reverse psychology, but it works, right? I like how this show reference how this show references, right? So yeah, anyway, so um he's motivated now. Well, Emmett is motivated now to do what he had to do. Um he frees himself. He loses himself from this battery that he was trapped to. And I find it so funny that the battery was powering the device that was supposed to kill the heroes, you know, because they had this, this um, oh gosh, this countdown, this 100 Mississippi. I like how it says 99 Mississippi, 98 Mississippi, and so on. <laughs> Again, okay. just that meta humor, though, so quick, right? And yeah, you know, well, when he kind of frees himself in the battery now, when he loses himself, sorry, it causes him to fall and he falls down into this abyss. Again, we don't know what's happening there, right? And yeah, well, Wild Style is motivated by Emmett's sacrifice, right? So she and everybody else, including Bad Cup, right? And I love that he just uses this random, like, marker and he's scratching good cup. Like, he just does this good cup face and he just, he just keeps that, that persona throughout, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so they go into a taping of Have You Seen My Pants? I basically hijacked the show to send uh, a message to everybody in the other um, dimensions, right? And it just touches on the whole idea of Lego, right? Where it's like, you know what, you've pretty much been told not to create anything and not to be yourself. But look, Emmett made things that kind of didn't make any sense, like that whole double-decker bed thing, right? But, you know, Ooh. it was still a creative idea and she kind of encouraged everybody to create things, right? And use those creations. Well, use basically businesses' creations, yeah, to fight back, right? So I like that, right? And then near the end, you realize that she just basically doing her own version of the president's speech in Independence Day, the whole Bill Pullman thing. Right. You know, t- today, we celebrate our Independence Day because she says today will you know, we, we, we no longer will no longer be known as Taco Tuesday, but Freedom Friday. We're okay. still on a Tuesday. All right, all right. Uh, ha, ha. I, I, I like that too. They're very, very clever, very clever, right? And then we get for me one of the funniest moments of this entire show. Uh, this is where our heroes decide that they need to get to, to Bricksburg, right? To stop the craggles, right? right. Everybody's the whole tacos and they, they, they just unleash in hell on all these different dimensions, right? So they need to get away to get to all these these dimensions, right? And Benny now, excited as all hell, decides that he gotta build a spaceship, right? So he yeah, takes all yeah. the equipment for the whole TV set and he builds a spaceship, right? The, the man's so happy, right? And you feel how happy he is, right? But it's when the, the, the spaceship actually like lifts off and goes away. The man just goes off track. He's like, spaceship! Spaceship! And it's just this montage of him going from different directions, going, Spaceship! 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 And no lie. When I was rewatching this, I was playing that shit like five times us. It is one of the funniest <laughs> things I have seen in this whole show. It's Charlie Day just yelling, Spaceship! And just them just smashing through shit, blowing up shit. I don't know how they do that, boy. But I, I, again, it's just that goofy childishness that that Phil and, and Christopher were. I'm so funny. Yeah, it's just, all right, we want to do this. It's dumb, but we don't care <laughs> because it's a Lego movie. Shut up and take it, right? So, yeah, you know, this is a scene that some people might roll their eyes at and find it's dumb. But now nah, I find that's like one of the funniest bits in that whole show, Joe. I agree to disagree, right? And then now, um, this is why I want to get your input on this, right? Then we get like an equally great moment, right? But for me, like first time you see it, it's so shocking though, right? When I at least when I first saw it, right? Because I don't because I don't think anybody, anybody when they saw this movie, saw this shit coming, right? 
So they cut back to Emmett Shred and the man's like falling into this abyss, right? The man like head lands face first, right? Knocks out. He wakes up, Dredd, and you realize the man is in the real world. Like, right. he is, like, this inanimate object, but you're hearing him talk now, but, you know, he can't move because he's in the real world, right? I, I swear, like, when I first saw that, my, my jaw dropped a because I did not think, I did not know that show was going to go there, and yet it went there, right? And this whole sequence just gets better, right? So you realize that it's a basement, right? And it's filled with all these Lego miniatures. So they're on shelves, they're on tables, right? So it's clearly a Lego create, uh, sorry, a Lego owner, right? And then yeah. this boy comes in, right? Well, his name is Finn, right? And he's playing with, um, uh, well, a battleship, right? But it's actually the same spaceship that Benny, the character Benny creates, right? Yep. And then he he notices, well, the boy Emmett notices Emmett on the floor, right? And he picks him up and he says, hi, Emmett. It's like, oh, shit, what's going on here? What? You know what I mean? You're right. And then it just keeps going, right? An adult comes downstairs, right? Comes down the basement. And it's Will Ferrell, right? Who is clearly right. president business, right? But hey, then he's hey, actually the man upstairs, right? And yeah. I, I, I just, like, again, watching this for the first time, I was, like, shocked. I was like, where, where are we going with this? What, what are we doing yeah. here, right? And swear to God, right, the conversation between the man upstairs, that's all we call him, and Finn is brilliant 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 right just the subtext of it i love right so the dad is angry that his um finn right modified his carefully laid out like lego city right so it's basically yeah. home development right that that's what it's for that's what you do that's your job right it's implied but that's what it is right but his son just sees it as something that's meant to be played right played with right i love that he mentioned that you know the lego boxes say age 8 to 14 right but the father's like, no, that, that don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing, right? So, again, you know, just the subtext, right? The idea of, you know, well, grown men, you know, grown people playing with Legos, right? And treating it like if it's something sacred that it should be touched. Right. Like, no, like, it's for kids. Primarily, like, you can make the argument it's it's a kid's story, right? That's what it is, right? Um, but, you know, randomly, uh, talking there, it, it reminds me of Joss. Joss said um, once, Joss Wheaton said that the key to enjoying things like miniatures and all that kind of stuff is you buy two. So you have one for your collection that is just going to be forever there and untouchable and whatever it is right. like that. And then you have the other one that you can use to play with so that it doesn't become the sort of religious, almost sacrosanct kind of thing that you can't you can't, no, nobody can touch it, nobody can interact with it, kind of problem. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Because that, that, that's where the, the, the movie comes to its hilt, right? You know, just the, the, basically the philosophy of how you should take this stuff. And, and you know, you can, you can apply this to a whole bunch of things, like, you know, people's attitudes about cartoons in the 80s, for example. Uh -huh. And, hey, you know... Star Wars and all the bullshit that people have in a, having a, you know, melting, you know, melting down and, and shitting the diaper over. Yeah, it's it's that. Like, it, that's where the real subtext of the film comes together and really works now. It's, again, great commentary on Lego, but commentary overall. Uh, it's, it's smart stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, in other words, you know, the dad, the dad himself hasn't grown out, hasn't fully grown out of play with Legos, right? But, you know, because he has a job, right, a night of fire that involves, you know, construction and building things, you kind of forget that Legos are essentially toys, right? And he's mad for some reason that his son sees them as essentially toys, right? Um, yeah, I mean, because he could build things out of them, but they're toys at the end of the day, right? So I like that, you know, uh, the man upstairs say, let's play a little game. It's called, let's put everything back the way you found it, right? 
so he can make things the way they're supposed to be, which is what yeah. the president business counterpower is doing throughout the film, right? And the scene gets even better, right? So in Bricksburg now, you realize that the vehicles the citizens were using to stop the micromanagers, because they're all over the place, right, were created by Finn, right? And fit, uh, well, the man upstairs starts breaking them apart, and you see it cuts back to you know the um, Bricksburg, and you're just seeing all these the vehicles dis, um, disassembling, and you know it's it's almost like it's is the end of you know it's it's all hope is lost, right? That kind of vibe, right? And yeah, what 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 the man upstairs is doing is that he's sticking the pieces with crazy glue, right? And like I don't know, yeah. maybe I'm not the biggest you know Lego expert, but like you're not supposed to stick the damn pieces. The idea is that you're supposed to put them together and dismantle them. Not stick them together. Not what that's he, that's the idea is that he wants to. What is the whole point now? Is that this yeah. is you want to maintain it for status quo forever? No? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Make sure yes. that change. Right. The idea is that they could dismantle your creations and make new ones. You're not supposed to make them permanent, right? But I love how they frame it with the crazy glue, right? Uh, but yeah, Emmett, who is still in the real world, he have to force himself to fall off the table um, that the man upstairs put him on, right? Because uh, he wanted to try to get the crazy glue off of his back, right? Because remember, the piece was stuck in it, so there was like some residue, right? Um, and it's like a nice little piece of... It's, it's not like... I don't think it is um, stop motion animation. I think that it is an actual Lego that they use, and it is sort of free, but it's such a way that he sort of like rolls over. That's what it does, right? So yeah. Um. So Emmett is on the floor now. Um. Finn notices him, and he gives him the piece of resistance, right? And then, well, he grabs what ticket looks like a cardboard tube, but on the side you see magic portal, right? And he throws him inside, and that sends Emmett back into the Lego world, so to speak, right? And yeah, he heads up returning to the to the home world, to, to the Bricksburg now. Now he's a master builder. He is the one now. He's the special now. And yeah, he 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 could he's he's now gonna save the day, right? Um I love that, you know, just like with the other master builders, he could see, you know, the he could see through his POV now. He could see like all oh, the different parts there. So he kind of builds this device and he's using it to stop the micromanagers, right? Um, and even, you know, Wild Style and Batman and even Princess Unikitty, you know, help out, right? I love that Princess yeah. Unikitty who's like real trying to compartmentalize her anger. She just kind of lets loose and she just goes ape shit and just starts destroying shit, right? So I love that. That, that, that was really cool, right? And then now Emmett finally confronts President Business, right? Who, well, he ends up hitting, well, Emmett's leg with the crazy glue, right? Then, well, Emmett says that he has a, a secret weapon, right? Which is called the power of the special, right? Which is just simply him saying, telling Business that, you know, he has to embrace the idea that the things that he made can be remade by other people into something extraordinary, into something extraordinary, into something new, right? So basically, Emmett wants present business to embrace the idea of creativity, right? And not this idea that everything must remain the way that he made it, right? Um, and the speech kind of segues beautifully to the man upstairs, and he's uh, kind of watching the ships that Finn create, you know, out of the pieces of, out of his model city. And, you know, it's so well done, right? Um, the beauty of the scene, though, is how Finn gives him these, the, the pretty much the, the, the premise of the story that's in his head, right? The story that yeah. we've been watching, right? And you see how the set pieces and the vehicles and you see the characters that we've been seeing in the film, too, right? So when the man upstairs picks up um, the present business toy, right? Yeah, he kind of instantly realizes, oh, this is me, right? I, I love that. Just so subtle, right? Like, yeah, this is me. I yeah. get that. Oh, I'm the villain, and this is why, right? I love that, right? And he asks his son what he thinks Emmett should say to President Business, right? And Emmett responds, I wrote this down, you don't have to be the bad guy, 
You're the most talented, most interesting, and most extraordinary person in the universe. And you are capable of amazing things because you are the special. I love that because that's the same thing that Wildstyle and Vitruvius was telling Emmett because they thought that he was the special, right? Um, and it's a genuinely beautiful scene, though, and it ends with the man upstairs hugging his son and present business hugging Emmett as well, too, right? So the man upstairs, though, he caps the, cl- the crazy gloom tube, though, and present business. He puts the piece of the crackle and it causes the, the machine, the, the tacos, to, to explode, right? And in the process, the micromanagers are destroyed as well, right? And as, well, you, you see Wild Silent Emmett, right? And they were setting this up early on, like, oh, they could be an item, right? So they were about to hold hands now, and, you know, it, it's this bit that Batman always interrupts, right? But you see, like, a, 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 a nice bit of character development here, right? Because he says, um, he says, yeah, you know, Emmett is a hero you deserve. Like, I love that. Like, that, like just yeah. as a bit, like, character growth, it works, right? Um, and in the real world now, while the man upstairs, you know, does some father-son bonding, he uses a, a Reddit, I think it's called, I think it's on glue mineral spirits, I believe that's what it's called, right? To unstick yeah. the Lego blocks, um, Lego blocks, sorry, right? And in the city now, yeah, present business is using his version of that to unstick the, the citizens, right? Who are frozen, right? Um, good cop or bad cop is reunited with park cop and bad cop, you know, without that. Everybody is free, right? And, you know, everything is safe, right? Um, and back in the real world now, the man upstairs tells Finn that, oh, you know, you're going to be bringing down uh, Finn's little sister, right? You know, because like, you know what? You having fun here with me, but now nah, it's time to bring a little sister down, right? And, right? and Finn is like, what? And then I like that this is how the film ends now. So how the sister manifests the Lego characters is like these weird kind of childlike aliens from the planet Duplon, right? And they all yeah, like, the oh, you know, the we're here yeah. to destroy your will, right? And Emmett is like, oh, man, maybe let's cut to the closing title, title sequence. And yeah, everything is awesome because the movie itself is awesome, right? So before we get to final thoughts and rated, right? Um, your thoughts on just that whole reveal and, you know, the, the, the whole cutting back and forth and the messages, you know, from the real world into, you know, the Lego world. Any thoughts on, on that moment? Yeah, smart stuff. As I say, you know, the, 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 the meta commentary works, you know, really, really smart stuff, as I say. Uh, and yeah, they work in terms of just the, the human story again. It's one of the reasons I like uh, Orion and the Dark a lot because it's, it's kind of what they do there too as well. Uh, it's really smart stuff again. How to do the meta commentary and make it work? Like love it. You know, I I, I will say this though. Um, just kind of thinking back on this kind of film and moving forward to Barbie, it kind of also for me shows like will in a right role and will in a middling role right um because like his lord from the time i found out that he was being cast as the head of mattel you immediately go to okay it's lord business right but his way how he brought out lord business here in uh and even the man upstairs here in the lego movie had more bite and had right a more heart as opposed to you know whatever the head of Mattel was. Like, well, if I had to give any... As I said, that was one of my problems with it. I, I really felt that I didn't get what he was supposed to be about. Um, so it was really cl- not clear. And because he wasn't a central antagonist, unlike what they did with Ken and Barbie, I, it was kind of different. I don't know. Mm. It was un- it, That was still confusing to me. Yeah. 
Right. So, um, you know, let you know, just just to get to final thoughts, right? Um, it's a shame now. Just just speaking, you know, just just letting you know, um, Ashton had to step out. So unfortunately, he's not here to share final thoughts. But you know, earlier on, he did say that he loved the film, right? So I guess we'll leave it at that, right? But yeah, uh, my final thoughts on this, though, um, it was it was a blast recapping this film, though. Um, it was it was it was a good excuse for me to you know pull out the old Blu-ray and play it, you know, uh, play it. Um. And it's just such a fun film, right? As far as just gripes, so just just little minor, minor, minor nitpicks, though. Um, some just few a few of the jokes don't really land as much as all that. Like maybe they did back then, but they don't now. Um, just maybe because I guess it's just a little too silly, a little too ridiculous, or maybe they just didn't land as well as they should, right? But for the most part, a majority of the jokes do work, right? Whether they are ridiculous, whether they are silly, whether they are, whether they are satirical, whether they are dark, right? Uh, but overall, it's just the meta writing that totally works. I just applaud the bravery that Phil and Christopher had. It just yeah, just 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 letting their their, their childish create, uh, creativity fly with us, man. You know, just let's be silly, let's be over the top, let's just add goofy characters and goofy sound sound um, goofy sound effects or whatnot, right? So I'll throw an example, right? So case in point, there's a flashback involving Metal Beard, right? And it's him and his crew going on a boat, right? You just see like this white shot of a boat, right? It just here. Something like that, trend. I remember cracking up at that when I first saw it, huh? But something like that to the cinema say, yes, we, we're going to add this in a Hollywood movie, right? Somebody going, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's amazing to me, right? Um, but yeah, the writing is fast, it's furious, haha, right? It's frenetic, it's in your face, it's ridiculous, and it's irresistible, though. And that's the that's the charm of the whole show, right? Uh, but I think like animation-wise, it works as well too, right? Because uh, I forgot to mention, it's not just you know the, the movements of the characters, but they do some great depth of feel in this though. Like it really feels like a lived-in world, though. like they do so much into making you believe that you know this this world of Bricksburg and all these other worlds are real in quotes, right? Are Lifted, right i love that right uh voice acting is great across the board right whether it's chris pratt elizabeth bags morgan freeman uh will Adet is the mvp in this too because he is and always will be lego batman to me yeah he he will go down as one of the most memorable batman in film incarnations ever in my opinion this was the show that kicked things off right um but it's the surprising turn at the, at the, in the third act, though, that really blew me away, though. And seeing it with, with you know, more mature eyes, though, I'm just amazed at how, how, uh, how, how intelligent that moment was, right? You know, because again, you know, I, I feel like it's just Phil and Chris knew that a lot of people were going to go into this, were going to go into this, thinking that, oh, it's just, to, this film is just to sell toys, right? But just the mere fact that no, we're going to delve into the philosophy of Lego and why, you know, why 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 Lego still matters, right? Why we still right. why why games exist, right? Why Lego still is being sold, right? You know, in uh, you know, online or whatnot, right? Yeah, it really was a bold risk to and it I, I felt for the most part it works, right? Um and it's just this irreverent humor that that works short, right? Right down to the to the music, uh, right down to the song. Everything is awesome, right? Which rightfully deserves its Oscar nomination, right? You know, po- uh, props to Tega, and Sarah and Lonely Island for for for, for putting out such. Right, right. Did it, did it music for this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, who did, well, who did the score for this way? This was uh, this was done by uh, Mark Modersberg. Modersberg. 
right? Right. Marswag, yeah. Yeah, yeah you from do all from of Evo, those right? Spirits. Yeah, I, I could see yeah. the whole... Well, you don't, yeah, I know him for... ...influence in, yeah. this, in this. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I know him, I know him mostly for, like, stuff for, like, um, what do you call it, by the Rugrats, I think. Rugrats, yes, yes, uh, he, yeah, he yeah. did this um. He did this song track for one of the oh gosh, was it even not uh, Steve Zizou? I want to say Life oh, Aquatic. The, right, uh, the Life Aquatic. I didn't do that. Okay, wow. I yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Ping Island. Yeah. Right, but yeah, though. Um, you know, you wanna took 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 a gamble with this though, but it it yeah totally works. totally works right. Um, in closing, this is the best of the franchise in my opinion, with second place right. being the Lego Batman movie, and I guess third place will be Lego Movie Two. Um, I still haven't seen Ninjago, right? But I, I guess I'll make the effort, right? But yeah, Lego Movie surprisingly enough still holds up to this day. It is still awesome. Um, yeah, I, you know, everything is awesome when it comes to this Lego movie still to this day, man. Um, if you have not seen it, please check it out, though. Uh, but don't be put off by the goofy childish humor, right? It it, it still works. Um, and you can tell, like, they, they, they really learn a lot from Claudia with a chance of meatballs, right? Because it's that sort of rapid-fire humor, that meta-humor, though. But, you know, I feel like they just stepped it up a great deal with this movie here, right? And, yeah, you know, we, we got a great film. I would say one of the best animated films of the 2010s, right? Out of that, right? So for me, rating-wise, I'm going to give this a decent 4.5 out of 5, man. This is absolutely worth checking out. This is absolutely worth recapping. Um, it holds up 10, you know, 10 years since it came out. Um, I'm curious to see how it will hold up 10 years afterwards. I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, this 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 really show, this, this really put me on to Phil Lord and, and Christopher Miller. This really was me like, wow, well, like, I want to, I, I want to do shit like this. Like, I want to, take stories or make, you know, write stories for films that nobody would see coming and be like, nah, this is going to be real shit. But still make it, you know, kind of give people what they want, but also give them stuff that they didn't expect to see. And they come out of it like, wow, this shit was amazing, right? And yeah, that that is that is what I could say about this show. But, you know, nobody saw it coming. You know, a lot of people like myself went into this like, all right, Lego movie, why? Okay. But yeah, we came out of this like, wow, this shit was amazing. And yeah, 10, 10 years afterwards, yes, it is still amazing and it is still awesome. Definitely worth checking out and recapping. So yeah, uh, Tracy, your final thoughts on rating? Uh, I have to go back and do a deep dive here. You guys talk about it. I have to go back and do a deep dive. But just from memory and just little things that sort of made me feel you know, good about it and the time that I was in, the time mentally that I was in when it came out, I would give it like a four. When I go back and actually go and, and watch it again, I will either probably up my, my rating or bring down my rating. I think it will probably stay as a four. Um, and I just go back to the one thing about being in that mental space of a pre-Pratt, Prataverse, where, you know, he was new and it was a new feeling and it was just kind of like, okay, let me see what this is. I'll give it a four out of five. All right, all right, all right. And Ricardo, last thought, well, I should, I should say final thoughts. And <laughs> Yeah, uh, Milan and Lord are, are excellent. They really, really showed themselves as great talents um, from this film, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, much like how I, I think the, the first Avengers um, shaped the decade in terms of the blockbuster, um, this kind of shaped mm. the decade in terms of animation, in my humble opinion. Like everything else kind of came from this, the, the, that whole that whole plane with frame rate and playing with all of this extra stuff 
um, you know, to tell a story and, and fit, fit it within the narrative or fit it within a, a commentary it was yeah, it was absolutely brilliant stuff uh, at the time, and it still it still holds today. Um, yeah, uh, ten years later, it, it re- in my humble opinion, it really holds up. Still really funny, really um, engaging. I just remember all the gags and how it still works as a as a general conceit. Uh, yeah, I I have very few problems with this um, as it is. Yeah, uh, rated like nine nine out of ten is almost a perfect for me. Nice, nice. Mm. Yeah, man. So, yeah, you know, can't wait to see how 10 years afterwards if this show is still awesome. But, yeah, we could, we could, we we are happy to report that 10 years after it came out, it is still awesome. So, yeah, if you haven't checked it out in a little while or if you are late to the party, yeah, that's okay. That's okay if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, I strongly recommend uh, watching or recapping the Lego movie. It still holds up. And yeah, that is pretty much our third annual Super Bowl Sunday special, right? So uh, don't mind that we do this on the night of the Grammys, which I am check out or at least I'll, I'll just probably watch some highlights and see who would what and who perform because I like to Bobby and Oppenheimer have won stuff. Oh, you mean at, at the Grammys? Yeah, word is breaking out on Twitter that um, Oppenheimer won an award. Um, Bobby won an award. Billie Eilish has won uh, an award for um, what was I made for. Right. So uh, things are starting I feel, to happen. I feel up and I'm one for best um, soundtrack or something like that. I guess best score. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so you know it's a shame that we we could do it on the week of uh, Super Bowl Sunday, but like I said, that will be Carnival Sunday. So you know, just to close things off, um, yeah, you know, have a have a happy and safe Carnival, right? Whether you're outside or you're home, whether you're at the beach or whatnot, yeah, you know, enjoy yourself, right? And also, you know, happy Valentine's Day, right? Early Valentine's Day, right? You know, we gave you all a recommendation with Mister and Missus Smith. Definitely check it out. I know the next episode, you know, we will talk about stuff like Bob Marley, What Love, and stuff like that, right? I'll close with this. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, just keep up with fingers crossed that we get we yeah to get to do this on the next episode of retrospect reviews we will be talking about office space yeah nice yes oh we'll be turning 25 years old this year nice, uh, good bit of commentary yes. i i am i am excited as all hell to recap that movie because i have not seen that show in a long time this- I know a lot of you us know, who, 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 you know, um, suffer through the whole nine to five stuff can relate to that still, but I want to see how, how that holds up now, but you know what I mean? Especially right. with the whole office cubicle lifestyle, so yeah. to speak, right? So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. You know, and, you know talk about, you can talk about Scarface, no tears or anything. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. course, you know, we, we have to talk about that ghetto boy scene, you know, with them smashing yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the yeah. um, oh gosh, the, 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 the printer. Yeah. yeah, is it printer? Oh, oh it's a printer. Yeah. Right? You're right. It's, I, I, it's like I, a printer, a copier kind of device because it's yeah. our whole thing with PC load letter. What the fuck does that mean? It's a, it's a classic joke. <laughs> Yeah. Um. And lastly, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody on TikTok like realized that that show turned in twenty five. I might probably do like a parody of that one scene, like just go outside and smash a printer and have that song playing. You know that damn motherfucker, nah, You know what I mean? Like, I want to see. That. I have a, I have a printer. I want to smash because I remember having to print something uh, for a deadline <laughs> and that fucked me up. But like, jeez, man, that is what he printers like oh, incredibly frustrated device. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like where we talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 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 um, Tracy, if if you want to come through, that'll be great. You know, if you want to talk about Office Space, and um, well, I'm not sure if you'll go and see Bomali, but it'd be great if you could go and check that out too. But uh, we will be also what, talking well, about um, Mean Girls as well. And I forgot to mention too, yeah. American Fiction supposed to be coming out on VOD uh, a nice. little later this month too. So yes, we will be talking about American Fiction. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. You guys aren't going to see Madam Web. I like, like, like I said, 
if it get good reviews, <laughs> I will watch Madam Web first, and then I'll watch Mali afterwards. But I'm going for Mali. Uh, like, I'll make it uh, a double yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I will probably be skipping. <laughs> yeah, no, Argyle, Argyle done burn me for the, for the, for the month already, so I'm good. That, you had enough. That was your, 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 your intake. Yeah, my bad movie for for the next two three months. <laughs> so I'm mad about it. I think I got skipped. <laughs> I hear, I hear you, right? And yeah, that's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you're listening to this, this was Matthew Bailey and Tracy Hutchins. Thanks again for coming through. Anytime, man. Anytime. Ricardo Medina, as always, thanks again for coming through. No problem. And this has been the third annual Super Bowl Sunday special episode of. BBB Radio. So till the next one, take care, stay safe in the out. have a happy carnival, have a happy Valentine's Day, take care, peace. We're out. Peace.